on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick will tackle the latest episode of The Bad Batch and its focus on character building at the expense of world building. They'll then dive into a Mandalorian Season 3 special topic revolving around certain events they want to see play out once the show kicks off on March 1st. If you need more Mando, they'll take a look to Season 4, which is already getting some attention due to Favreau and a potential writer strike. If you prefer shows that start with A, like Ahsoka and Andor, they'll also have some things for your ear holes to consume. Of course, the show will end with the Question of the Week segment and the latest round of Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie! I'm here. <laughs> I think. Oh my goodness. This is You're back pretty sure Matt's to here. back week tech death. The Apple gods. Tim Cook is right now sitting in his palace laughing at me going, ha ha, you bald motherfucker. You think you can make one of my products work for longer than six years? <laughs> Fuck you. I'm going to curse you right before your show's supposed to go live, you pissant. And that's exactly what happened today. Holy hell. The marriage between Apple products and Microsoft couldn't be more fucked up. And it's the year 2023, my friends. We're talking where a man can't launch applications until a fucking verification app is done checking other apps. Fuck you, Bill. And suck my dick, Tim. All right, let's get that out of the way first. I, I didn't plan on, on opening the show like a firecracker, but it happened. I just, you can ask Nick, I just spent the, 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 the last 20 minutes scrambling to get this piece of shit iMac capable to run this equally shitty show. <laughs> Fuck, man. You know, it's like it's some, sometimes it's like, what's the point of even being alive? Oh, my God. And, and you know what it is, Nick? I don't want to fix the root, the root cause. That's the problem. Like, it, it, it's not only is it tweaking my tits over the fact that it's got me all worked up because it fucked up the show. <laughs> but it, but it, it's, it's reminding me day in and day out that I've got to replace this iMac and I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I become that tech lazy at, at 42 and a half. I, I don't know what, I don't know what my problem is. I don't know if this is like a natural progression for people that used to be super into new tech. Got to have the new thing every year. Fuck three year cycles. You know, do, do you still have the burning desire to upgrade and, oh, my computer's three years old. It still works, but I need to get the new new or, or well, where are you at? I mean, for me, since like I've, I've been like parting and piecing out this computer doing individual upgrades since I was like 16 years old. So this computer is, I mean, like the case itself is probably 12, 13 years old. All of the components and it gets switched out at some point. I got, you know, like one of the 30 series NVIDIA cards is in there. 
Um, I just replaced the motherboard and the processor about two years ago. So like I never have to go through the like I need to buy a whole new computer right. thing. I always just like part it out. Um, and I but, kind but of even, like but I, you know you're, you're you're getting older. You like to lay really around like, yeah. and do do other things. Like th- does the thought of even having to replace a, a CPU, GPU, or a board at this point just go? You know what? I've got better things to do in life than fuck around with a computer all day. No, because it's no. A, like that's something that I enjoy doing. You like, like that shit, for, yeah. For like you, you're just like buying a new computer. For me, like I'm like going in there, replacing the part. Like I enjoy tooling around on the inside yeah. of a computer. So it's something that I'm like, I, I find fun. But for you, for sure, it's just like now I have to spend $2,000 on a brand new Mac computer that sucks. Right. Yeah. But like for me, like I future proof my shit. So like I have a AMD 7 uh, 5800X eight core processor at 3.8 gigahertz per core, 32 gigs of RAM. I got a. Uh, I mean, the only thing that I'm like, sure, Robin, on, Nick, maybe. go ahead and stick my <laughs> nose in that piece of dog shit on the floor, you motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, the, the only thing that I might uh, lag behind a little bit on this computer is just like my storage space because I only have five 12 gig solid state drive. But like, oh, I don't really need more pussy. than five 12. <laughs> I don't oh, need man. more than five I know. All right, good. I'm, I'm coming off the, the ledge a little bit here. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't want to deal with it. I really don't. And here's the thing. I see people in the live stream, you know, Kevin, they, they probably think I'm like a tech idiot, like most humans in their 40s. I'm, I'm actually not. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a trained, I'm a trained computer scientist. God damn it. I just don't want to do it anymore. I, I've, I, it's just, I've shifted into this new phase in life where I, that type of shit used to be everything like yeah i'm getting a new new now it's like i th- that's the last thing i want to do i'd rather be fucking off at hogwarts hanging out with the kid mm-hmm. hanging out with the family you know what i mean i mean maybe that's what it is i'm just in my dad phase in life and i fucking love it and this shit has gone to the wayside but i think we are getting to the point nick where it is becoming a bottleneck for the show for my life and it's only adding to this aneurysm I've been cooking in my head for literally the past four decades. Like, I'm just waiting for my stroke to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Dude, it, I, I, I'm going to give myself a stroke, and it's probably going to happen on this show at one point in time. I, I really did think, like, a week ago, two weeks ago, like, when we're going through a lot of, like, the heavy house stuff. I mean, now we're just kind of in the showings phase where, like, people will schedule a showing. We got to get out for... You know, we get two hours notice. We have to be out of the house for about 15 minutes. So that's not that bad. But like a couple weeks ago, I, I thought that I was going to have a heart attack. I was like, okay. I'm under so much stress, not just from the, the house angle, but from other angles and stuff, too. I'm like, I, I, I may have a heart attack at less okay. than 30. Well, good. I, 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 it's good to know that you're also slowly killing yourself through your nerves yeah. and anxiety. So thank you for that. <laughs> Fuck, man. What the hell's wrong with us? Bat, you're right. Like, I, Bat, you just reach a point where life becomes more important. I, I, I feel you, dude. And maybe I, I've reached that. It, it, I do think a lot of it is the, the whole dad family. Kid's going to be seven. We're much more active doing shit. You know, scene 75. I don't know if you live around a scene 75, Nick. They're around the country, but they're like these... I'm assuming this guy's business model, he just goes to old, like the old standard malls, you know, where you'd have anchor stores, Nick, and a food court and that type of shit. You don't mm-hmm. really see those anymore. 
Uh, but I, but like I'm I think this guy that runs scene 75 must go to these. Be like, hey, yeah, I see your Sears is out of business. That's a fucking anchor at your mall. Do you want me to fill it with scene 75? And scene 75, for all intents and purposes, is essentially a, an indoor amusement park. I mean, it's got rides, go-karts, yeah. arcades, ticket games, laser tag. I mean, it's just a it, it's just a blast. So that that's what I'm doing instead that's of fun. how can I plan to fix this Mac? But I, I do have a spring break coming up. Where my dead ass will be sitting at home while the women are out, you know, working and going to school. So that that could be could be time to get it done. But I'm also on on the other shoulder. That other voice is going, fuck that, dude. Sit around and do some toy photography. Put some toys away because they drive you nuts. Play around in Hogwarts Legacy. Get some, you know, some hardcore uh, screen time in with that. So I'm sure I'll push it off and we'll be here next week. With me, you know, pissing and moaning about my tech and, oh, woe is me. I need a new Mac. <laughs> Ever feel bad for me? You know, everyone can tell me to go fuck myself. All right. I, I, I earned that today. All right. So, you know, we, we pissed away the first 20 minutes of the show. We're going to have a reduced version of pop culture talk. Uh, but I do want to get some thoughts out here on... Uh, I, I guess the, the latest uh, big pop culture release, at least in terms of cinema, and that is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I'm not quite sure why the Wasp gets included on the title card, but I guess she is in it. Um, kind of a reduced role for Evangeline, if anything else. But I, I checked this out yesterday. Uh, you know, I took a, got my real work done early because uh, the kid had the day off, so I knew I'd need to find some activity so we checked out quantum mania and i'll tell you what nick i know that i know you, you've been kind of turned off to the mcu for quite some time which is which is respectable and i'm here to report that this is probably not the movie that's going to get you back into the mcu <laughs> all right now i i'm not going to say it's a big piece of shit i think it's rotten tomatoes score of 47 is a is a tad low but I, I will say, I do agree with some of the critiques. It, it, its edit is definitely a little clunky. I mean, there are moments where you can tell, they're like, hey, you know, we got to save some time. So instead of them actually talking about what they're about to do, let's just be like, hey, we need a plan. Cut! Plans in action. They're already doing it. That, that, it was that type of stuff. Uh, the, 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 the overuse of computer-generated worlds definitely starts to get a little you know cheap looking you know it, it nick i'm starting to feel it, it, it's like <laughs> we're, we're regressing it's like the technology has gotten so easy to use and, and probably cheaper to use that now that we're back to like the prequel days where like hey let's just make everything a fucking green screen and you guys stand here and act and then we'll fill it all in in the background because yeah it, uh, it gets to the point now where it's it's an over-reliance when you can do things in another way so like for the prequels i mean realistically george didn't really have any other way to like make the worlds that he was trying to create so he had to do it with cg and and the deal was back then that like cg was still like relatively new and if you watch some things now it definitely looks bad um but now it, it literally is just about laziness. It's it's about laziness yeah, and, 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 and and like not wanting to spend money to make it look better with practical effects or with right, better even right. like better special effects. And that's so. that's the weird thing is because you know obviously the tech has improved 
by 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 million fold from what George was using until now. But I, I'm starting to see like it, it's not the full on clipping with the green screen, but you're like, oh yeah, that they're, they're standing in front of a big fucking screen. Like they absolutely the lighting is not even matched to the point to look like they're even doing good digirama. So whatever, I, I will admit that the, it is a visually it is a visual spectacle. Uh, you do get. Uh, much stronger science fiction vibes than in really any other MCU movie to date, even more so than Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it's very sci-fi. I, I've seen some people, it's like Marvel's Star Wars. It's like, all right, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of random-looking aliens and, and different races, this, that, and the other thing. Quantum realm, out of space and time. Um, but, you know, it, it's fun. Like I said, I, I think the 47 is way too low. The fans coming in 85 is probably a little lubed up. I, I, I'd say it's more like a 75 to, to 80 if you go into it with the MCU mindset. Like, you, you know, you're not going to see like Shakespearean uh, quality anything in Quantumania. Uh, but I will tell you, you know, Paul Rudd still, his, his brand of humor still plays quite well. There are some quite funny exchanges, some odd stuff that that you'll just laugh at, especially if you're slightly demented. But really, I I think the biggest shining star in this movie is Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. I mean, dude, like if if this is our Thanos, Kang, and all the many Kangs of the multiverse, then then I'm good. Like that, that, that's the one thing it's like, all right, finally phase five finally we got a guy that you can see that could cause problems for the the worlds and how the multiverses superheroes so i i I love this guy jonathan majors is it's just he's a fucking dude i I don't know if you've seen him in devotion which is a uh kind of like a history movie based on the korean war and the is like one of the first black fighter pilots he's in that he's going to be in creed three coming up Obviously, he played a version of of Kang in Loki season one. Uh, The dude is he's just he's a dude like there's no other way to put it. Jonathan Majors is a dude and and he's probably the biggest shining um, spot of Quantumania and phase five moving forward. I think the I mean, my main issue with the I mean, well, phase four and like, you know, moving into phase five is like doesn't feel like you have that core group like you did in one through three. I think that was something that they did a Correct. fantastic job of establishing in one it, through three is like, it's still lacking your, by the way, dude, it's still lacking. Yeah. I mean, way. and it was, it was easy back then because it's like, you're launching this whole cinematic universe. So you're like, here's our guys, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America. And then here are the side players, you know, Falcon, Hawkeye, Black Widow, but you're, th- th- those are your three guys. Um, and with phase, like from, Basically, Endgame forward, they really haven't been able to reestablish like their core three. I know that they were trying for Black Panther. Unfortunately, Chadwick Boseman's passing kind of put a stop to that. Uh, I know I still haven't seen Wakanda Forever, but I know that uh, Shuri has like taken over as as Black Panther now. Um, It was supposed to be Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and then um, Doctor Strange. But that got all wonky. We haven't had a Captain Marvel flick in a long time. Yeah, isn't I've I've heard the Marvels have been delayed now. I think the Marvels, I believe, were supposed to come out this summer or next summer. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. That was gonna be her her next movie. And I think Captain or yeah, Miss Marvel yeah. was gonna be in it as yeah. well. And, and, and now like 
now you're in this position to where it's like you have you have uh you know the new Captain America, you have Sam as Captain America, which I am desperate to see because I, I love um his I loved his character progression in the show to become Captain America. But now you have like this amorphous group and you don't know who your leads are. It's like, is it Captain America? Black Panther and and Doctor Strange now is where's Miss Mar where does Captain Marvel come in? Right. Where do all of these other like side characters come in that you've now established through TV shows and stuff? It's become very like kind of convoluted because of all of the TV shows. And it's hard to track like what like who you're supposed to be following as like your primary heroes for for no, yeah, I mean you know, you're, you're right because at this point is Loki one of the good guys because yeah, that's kind of how they're, they're they're positioning him especially in in his TV series which more or less kicked off the the concept of multiverse multiple timelines and that this this one being this Kang character can influence them he can wipe out entire timelines at the snap of a finger so. You know what it is, Nick? It's like they they finally found, it seems like this villain is going to be something we could coalesce around, but you're right. There's, the Avengers don't seem like they even exist. Yeah, Ant-Man is one, but who else? Is it Yeah, the new Captain America? I don't know. We haven't seen him for two years, and he was only in a TV show, and he uh, reluctantly came to the idea of becoming the new Captain America. Yeah. So where, where's, where's Sam's head at in this point in time? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, they... <sighs> I know this was phase five and I think it's a good start for the villain. I don't think it's a great start as Nick is kind of inferring for, for the heroes. It still feels pretty scattered at this point in time. There's no, no band to rally around. I've heard that, or I saw recently that uh, they have now put John Favreau back on the advisory board for the MCU. No, don't take our guy. He, he was on the advisory board for phases one through three, and then he hasn't been on it for phase four and now the beginning of phase five. And I feel like they're like, they've seen that uh, Favreau may be good at, at world building and at, at giving direction to, to things. Yeah, it's weird, so, man. We'll I don't see. know. It's, it really has. Phase four, in my opinion, is it's like, is it even a yeah. phase? I mean, it, it was, it was as it, it's a transition phase of anything like that. At, at best, it, it transitions out of end game yeah. into the new world. But uh, I don't know. Hey, like I said, I, I think Ant-Man's still fun. Definitely a movie theater type of movie. Like I said, I mean, the visuals will, will get you. If anything, it's going to look and sound impressive, but it, it doesn't quite have that draw. Like, like, the phase one through three of the Marvel films, but that, that, that's kind of been the stigma for every movie since Endgame. So it's just, I think this is the new MCU we're living in. They're not garbage, but they're not, they're not that, that water cooler. Oh my God. Did you see this? Did you see the stinger? Oh, it's going to connect to this and that and that guy and that girl. Yeah. That's all gone. So it's yeah, kind of a bummer. I think that's what some people were saying too, is like, I mean, it, it, and it's it's a critique, but it's not a bad critique. Like, I think that that critics specifically now expect every Marvel movie to be Endgame level. But yeah. like, it can't be that because no. Endgame was a was an eight year or whatever year buildup. Ten, you know, ten, ten year plus buildup. Yeah, yeah. 
And almost, I think, you, Nick, I think, Nick, I think almost 28 movies to get to Endgame. Yeah, so. so, like, you can't expect every movie to be, like, that sort of event. Right. You know, all of these movies can be, like, self-contained stories that they tell about an individual. It doesn't have to be something that is like Endgame every time. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard now because you th- there was such a high bar set for the MCU through from phases one through three that, like... If you go through a down phase and then you go into another down phase, you yeah, may you could, never be able to really you kill it. Yeah, it, it may and, never and you're, you, I mean, you're you're spot on because we're we're going through our chronological rewatch. We're up through the first Ant Man, so right before Civil War, and and my kid just like her eyes are being opened. Like, oh, even when we saw Ant Man, she's like, hey, how did how'd her mom get out? It's like, Oh, we're not there yet in the rewatch, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's getting there. We can't, we can't stall all new Marvel for you, little one, but we'll, we'll get there. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, this is those, those kids. I, I do feel like this is the first one of the new phases where you can see like, okay, like, like I said, we have our enemy at least like mm-hmm. that, that, that yeah. is, that is clear now. Like they, they make that very clear. So at least we have that. Who knows? I don't even know what the next movie is. In, in Marvel coming out. I'd assume we have at least one more this year. Are we all TV? I don't know. Uh, everything's fucked up. That's the other thing we got to consider. A good chunk of phase four was done during the pandemic. And, and yeah. as we've seen, that stifles a ton of shit. That stifles creativity. It stifles your acting ability, uh, planning, production, turnaround times. I and mean, that, that, that's why everything's delayed and extended and, uh, why 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 Star Wars content was was becoming vapid on Disney Plus is because of all that shit, and you know if you believe Iger at this point in time he's he's wanting to kind of sh- strip some things back right Nick to because of how much money they're losing and focus yeah. more on on Star Wars cinema which we're going to talk about here a little bit later today I don't know kind of. It's kind of counter to what Nick was saying, but it does sound like they want to start giving us less stuff <laughs> to look forward yeah. to on Disney Plus, and I don't know how that helps their their issues over there. Uh, Lisa, yeah, isn't that we'll what see. you isn't that what you kind of felt from Bob? Like, yeah, we're we're gonna focus on Star Wars, Disney, and Pixar, but we gave you too much Marvel, so we're gonna we're gonna start pulling that back and maybe give you a little more Star Wars on the cinema side. I, yeah, I I mean. It's going to be, I, I will say for the, the next three years of Disney are going to be very interesting um, yeah. because if, if they don't find a way to make Disney plus profitable, um, then it's a bad spot for everybody because you can't, I think it's hard to shut it down. Um, and if they do shut it down, then you are in a position to where the only way they make their money back for it is they sell their license for all of their <laughs> things to different, yeah. like they sell it to different streamers. No, sell me Star Wars, you motherfuckers. So, I mean, like sell like, you know, broadcast licensing for stream, like streaming licensing to other streamers. Yeah, I know. Um, is, I don't know, because that's what everybody's doing now. Like that's why Westworld is now on Pluto that you can watch for free because... HBO makes more money licensing it to Pluto than it does having it on its own service. Yeah. Same reason why Arrested Development is going to be leaving Netflix because Netflix makes more money licensing it to whoever they're going to license it to than they do for incoming subs mm. to watch Arrested Development on Netflix. Like they've now figured out 
that they actually make more money by not having their own streaming service or not right. having their own content than they do by having their own service on their content. Yeah, it, it content will be offer. interesting to see how how the chips fall here. I I, like, I I don't think Disney Plus ever goes away. It's it's too much of their it's thing too, now. It's, yeah, it, it, you can't completely shut it down. Yeah, I mean anymore. they they I mean right they they have theater parks. Disney Plus. I mean that that's Disney yeah. these days. That's their business. So I think that we what, shall what, see. What's, yeah, what's going to end up happening is there's going to be a tiered way that you can watch Disney stuff in the future. It'll be theater first, Disney Plus next, and then after whatever a year on Disney Plus, they'll license it out to somebody else. It may be. I, I also think go. that that forty five day turnaround shit's going away. Bob Bob's like, yeah, fuck that. We we need to recondition people to know that no, you need to go to a movie theater watch Disney movies because you're not going to get them on Disney Plus until say like an HBO would get a, a regular movie. You know, eight yeah. eight months after its run, that that's just going away. Uh, it is going away. All right, man, let, let's move on. Like I said, we I kind of pissed away a good part of our pop culture talk, but we're, we're always learning, you motherfuckers, right? So there you go. You got a little business business school thrown at you and some Ant-Man uh, summaries. I, I would still go see it. Like I don't want to say it's a, a shit movie, but like I said, it's probably like a 75. 75 out of 100. Not too bad. Plus Paul Rudd, right? Paul Rudd. Ant-Man Paul is Rudd. the reason... That the people came back from the blip after all. Everyone's got to remember that. Everyone's got to remember that. And now he could be a reason for something else, but you'll have to go and see. All right, dude, let's get into our bad badge deep dive. Um, you know, last week we were kind of kicking the tires on this episode. We were, we were wondering. We, we were reading the tea leaves. We were looking back in the past going, you know... Episode one was a, you know, two part pretty good. And then we got that great episode three with Crosshair. Maybe, maybe we'll get something like that. Or I also laid down the option. You know what, Nick, we just got that, the, the pretty heavy hitting Star Wars politics, episode seven and eight. There's a good chance we're going to go back to standalone territory. And the latter turned out to be true. And, you know, before we get into our individual reviews and then our, our, our deeper dive into the Bad Batch a.k.a. The Crossing, uh, I, I'll be the first one to admit, when I was watching it, and I could, I kind of guessed that, okay, the ending's coming. This is going to be an interesting week in terms of fan feedback. Uh, because even I was like, okay, all right. I didn't think they would make this a cliffhanger episode considering the meat they were giving us, and then they just kill it, and now we got to wait, which... We've talked yeah. about this this season, Nick. We're like, you know, some of these episodes where they we did get a two part. If they didn't two part it, it would be you would be left kind of feeling like a little empty, not fully satisfied. And I guess since I'm rambling, I'll just I'll just keep going with my personal review. But that, that that's kind of how I felt for the first time watching Bad Batch. I kind of felt like you know. There wasn't that much meat there because we have to stop and wait seven days to see how this uh, kind of wraps up. I mean, I, I did appreciate, obviously, I think it had great character building, especially on the fronts of, of Tech and Omega, both individually and as a pair. You know, we, 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 didn't, we haven't had a lot of Omega in Tech because Tech, let's face it, Tech's like most men. Especially men of a certain age, like, you know, like my parents' generation and above, even mine and above. Like, I think my generation younger men are getting better at becoming full people. 
and having some sort of uh, emotions or whatnot. But tech is tech's like your classic 1950s guy, like no bullshit, everything by the book. We don't have time to feel. And this episode for the first time showed us or, or took us inside his head. And he kind of explained why he approaches life that way. And, and I could sympathize with him. I, I, I've built up a lot of the, the, the same tools in my own brain to protect myself from emotion, be it healthy or not. I think a lot of men have ways to bury how they feel because that's how we were trained. But tech to me, Nick, is he is like the picture perfect example of how a, a man is perceived, right? No, no time for emotion, all business, not, not necessarily an asshole, just, hey, I don't have time to think about those emotion things. I've got a job to do. So I like yeah. seeing, seeing tech kind of open up a bit and, and reveal to Omega, like, listen, I get it. I'm sad too, but I don't have time for that type of stuff because of this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, I think that, that he's definitely like the, the, like the extreme example of like, all I have time for is, is the task in front of me and, and like really spending a lot he, of time he, He's like a protocol droid for, for yeah. Yeah. all intents and purposes. Definitely. I mean, like if you want to make like a really apt comparison, it's probably like to fathers and like the probably more fathers in like the 60s and 70s than the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like that, that like old style of father that's like at work, come home, eat dinner, go to yeah, sleep. Leave, leave me alone. Home. No, no yeah. time to talk to you or who gives a shit how you feel. Just yeah. suck it up and don't bother me. <laughs> exactly. So I think that it did a good job of establishing that. And obviously this is like, you know, one thing that we have to remember as viewers, especially viewers that are, uh, you know, viewers that are adults, like we're not kids. Um, you know, Omega is a kid and Omega is going to go through very childlike states of emotion and like understanding what happens when somebody leaves the group and stuff. And that's what this was focused on is like really like, yeah. actually dealing with Omega being a kid and like ha her having to go through essentially losing one of her fathers for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, um, was it my favorite episode? No, were there some cool moments in it? Yeah. There was like, you know, it was cool to see them go down the waterfall and shit like that. But, um, other than that, it was a pretty ho-hum thing. I'm, I'm upset that there's going to be a second one of these. Honestly, I wish that they could have self-contained <laughs> this in one episode and moved on. Cause like, honestly, uh, it's just, it's, it's not necessary to have two episodes that are focused on, on this particular problem. Yeah. In my and that's why I'm hoping the end, cause he, he, I think of my breakdown, Nick, you know, we you're kind of laughing at, I had top two moments and, and I, I probably could have argued zero top moments, but there was no Easter eggs and references. So it's like, you know you're what? in a fucking cave the whole yeah. time. It's like, like I, I'm, was... I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for content creation that no one wants to watch. So I need to make some video that that's why I, I came up with yeah. two top moments, but uh, the other bit of meat at the end kind of paying off on, on Malegi and, and just past bad batch was Sid being a complete cunt. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, these guys have saved her tail twice, not, not through jobs, literally saved her. And the one time they need help, she's like, um, the fuck you at first. And then when Omega called her on it, she's like, all right, 
give me a few days. <laughs> so I, I think that's what we're going to see in, in episode 10. You know, does Sid leave them high and dry? What does she ultimately do for them? Is this where she, she fucks them over and they, they decide to move on? But yeah, almost zero world building in The Crossing, which, which kind of yeah. bummed me out. It was, it was very I, I, character focused. Yeah, I wish that in episodes like this, they would take a little bit more time to like put it in a in a setting or in a planet where we could get some Easter eggs. We could get some other. That's a or good like point. You just explore some place that you've never been before. I mean, right. like, where were we again on the, in this episode? Another fucking desert planet that has nothing on it that you're just walking through walls like. Well, dude, you're, yeah. I mean, it's a great point. This is within three episodes. We have an, uh, essentially another spelunking adventure. I mean, it, it, yeah. You know, which which and, makes it look the same visually. I mean, don't get me wrong; the, the visuals of the Bad Batch have been superb. Like, if, yeah, if they you have just, been. They've been if great. If you sit down and, and just look at the visuals of the Bad Batch, it's probably the best animated Star Wars to date. Yeah, but I agree. You you have a great point. I mean, it does. It just feels like we are nonstop grabbing our mining hats getting in dark caves that have these light substances that, the you know, provide a bit of contrast. But outside of that, it's pretty drab. So, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Episodes like this probably would be more fun if they're walking on, I don't know, like, uh, like Tython or something, walking through the, the uh, remnants of the first Jedi temple. Not necessarily on a mission like, oh, the Jedi, but us as fans, we perceive that as they're in the, the location. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, there's there's not too much to say about this episode, in my opinion. I know that like we'll we'll do our regular kind of go through, um, but this is one where I like I I sat down, I watched it last night, and I was like, when we got when I got to the end, I was like, I can't believe they're gonna do another one of these. Like that that's just a <laughs> uh, like it's just a weird move. So um, Nick's, what that means is Nick has his alarm set for t- tomorrow at two a.m. Central. So yeah. you can get up and, and see the continuing the continuing Make adventures sure. of Clone Force ninety nine on another and, boring ass drab brown planet. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't, and it's like one of those things that we've talked about for about Star Wars for years now. It's like you you have a galaxy, you have, yeah. and, and now you have the ability to move beyond the galaxy, especially if you do P, like sequel era stuff. You have an entire galaxy of planets that you can choose from, and everything that you go to is somehow this desolate fucking desert, red sand crap planet. No people, like, yeah, villages uh, yeah, abandoned. It's just like you have the ability to populate this galaxy and, and, and the worlds within it in any way that you choose to. Like you are the magic makers, and you are all choosing time after time to just have another red desert planet another brown desert planet and honestly it's it's getting to the point to where it's like it almost feels like a lack of creativity from the from the team did, did, nick do you think it's like a is it a cost cutting thing it is like hey it's easier to to animate rocky craggy landscapes than lush forests like a kashik i'm sure it does i mean could that because sure I, I i think all your points are valid but I, i'm assuming there has been some sort of 
choice made. Like, listen, to save time on animating to get get these cells done quick. Uh, yeah, let's focus on those those brown planets, those sandy ones and caves and whatnot. We'll give them some green every once in a while, but that takes too long to draw and render. So let's stick. Yeah, with no, poop. I mean, I I do think that that has something to do with it. It's like what. You know, especially for a, an animated series like this, where you're cracking out what maybe 20 plus episodes, 16 episodes at the very least, you're like, hey, what what's easy to recycle? All right, let's put them on another <laughs> sand planet, and then whatever, we move on from there. Um, hey, um, real quick, since we're, we're already kind of, we'll, we'll still go through the breakdown here, but but since we're kind of talking about the next episode already. Do you do you think in episode 10 they actually get the Marauder back or is that gone for an extended period of time, if not forever? I, I think that they're going to get it back. It's going to be like because this is, again, one of those like it's it's a it's an Omega centric thing. Like the, the batch doesn't care. The batch is like, whatever. We Like if we get a different yeah, ship, we a get ship. a different yeah, ship. Ships a ship. But like they like they're going to get it back because it's important to Omega that they get it back. Like right. to her, that's, it's a that's home. the only, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I, I just wonder if like the, the little pirate kid who I, I'm not going to lie. I had some people like, was that Honda's like, no, definitely not Honda. No, Honda's an adult, but yeah, it, it does on his head too. Exactly. But I'm, I'm not going to lie. And I am a sicko here. It does kind of look like if Hondo and Dr. Afra had <laughs> sex and made a baby, that's what it would look like. It would literally come out with like Hondo's helmet on, the glasses, everything. Uh, it just, it was the first time I saw it, I was like, is that Afro? I'm like, no, definitely not Afro. Is that a Hondo something? Definitely not him, but it's definitely like a Hafra, if you know what I mean. So I, yeah. I, I'm with you. I do think that that character comes back in the play and you learn that they're stealing it because of what happened to that village was probably yeah. some sort of imperial atrocity and you know they'll, they'll they'll figure their shit out in time before Sid sends transport. Now, I I have heard I don't know if it was from here or maybe a comment on one of my my videos which hey by the way if you do like Star Wars content check out youtube.com at Star Wars Time Show make a lot of shorts cuz that seems to be what people will watch these days or at least what YouTube will show them. Um, but someone kind of postulated, Nick, that, you know, what if it's crosshair that somehow comes across the Marauder and like a dock on another planet and, and he's the one that, that, uh, you know, he's, he's like, oh, what are these guys doing here? Maybe he goes to investigate attack, but realizes they stole it and then he steals it back. And then somehow that's the, that's how that he gets reunited with the bad batch. I don't know. Um, but I, I, yeah, I'm no. with you. I, I think the, the ship thing gets resolved in episode 10. <sighs> oh, other, other stuff on our short form. We had the first clip of Mandalorian season three, which was pretty funny. I don't know if you saw that making the rounds, Nick, but he's <laughs> grief literally has himself a kingdom now and, and man does their visiting, but the best part, and I'm sure this will annoy people more Probably Nick, because, you know, he laid it down last week. If Grogu doesn't fucking talk, he's going to burn him down. Like, he's going to get, he's going to start printing, I hate Grogu shirts, death to Grogu. But Grogu, like, as the adults are talking, Nick, he's in a spinning chair, like all little kids do, using the force to spin him around. Like, you know, like, he's going like, woo, and you can hear him. He's like, woo, 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 And you see Din, like a dad would, doesn't, doesn't say anything mid-conversation, stops him. And then Grogu sits there, starts using the force to grab like M&Ms off a of grease desk. I'm like, you know what? He, st <laughs> he still does it for me. The little guy hijinks still does it, talking or not. 
Uh, and, and I just rewatched The Rescue. It's probably the third or fourth time since I've seen that episode. It still hits, my friends. Like, it still got me worked up, even knowing that Red 5 was going to show up and that Din has to give him away. It's just, uh, I think it's a combination of a beautiful Star Wars moment, my Star Wars nostalgia with, you know, Luke and R2 and Red 5. But, you know, if you are a parent, that, that's a genuine emotional moment to watch Din come to grasp with, all right, I got to let this little thing go. Like, I've, I've taken it as far as I can. Like, a parent takes their kid as far as they can. And, and one, one day, one year, you have to be like, okay out of the nest you need yeah. to move on and and i know that's not going to be easy so that that hit me too but of course my daughter was there to shame me and remind me that that men are not supposed to cry and it's like you're right god damn it let me suck it up <laughs> i'm a pussy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i mean we'll we'll see what happens in season three i just uh yeah i mean i i think i went over it all last week i just think that at this point especially with him like training with a Jedi master with him making <laughs> the literal, like making decisions to, to like that affect his life going forward on his you're, own. You're like, like, you'll take any form of communication as long as it's not anything. just implied, like, like what yeah, they've been just doing anything. Like, I, I don't care. Like, if e- even learns... if they start doing like sand people sign language or like, stuff like that, you like sweet sign language, anything like that. I just think that like, it's hard for me to accept a character that can like, oh, I can I can lift up this mud horn and throw it across right. an arena. I can fucking stop fire from burning me, down. Me my no entire... have words coming out. Yeah. Me mouth. <laughs> yeah, and especially now where it's like he's gonna probably have his own lightsaber. He's gonna have his own armor. He's gonna be able to to like literally fight people and stuff. We need like, like someone need... to someone to chart this, but I, I think for Mando season three, for all of us to have <laughs> even more fun with it, we we need like an over under on how many episodes it'll take for Nick to turn on Grogu and 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 start the I hate Grogu fan club. Does anyone I, does anyone want to get this started? Let, let's get some action three. going. I'll tell you right now. Episode, episode three. three. There you go. He's laying episode it down right. Three. He is the odds maker right here. So Nick's saying. Over under two and a half, right? Is that is that a good line there? You'll take two and a half I, I for three? I would say o- over under two and a half, yeah. Because <laughs> I just, so, just something, even if it is like force-based, even if it is. It's going to uh, be my new favorite thing to do to watch. It's like, all right, is Nick pissed at Grogu this week or not? Let's do it, people. I, yeah, we'll, just, we'll have a segment. I, I, I want more from him. That's all I want. And I want more from the writers because uh. for, like, as a writer on this show, you have, like, think back to the original trilogy, even the prequel trilogy, uh, sequel trilogy, all of them. Like, you had characters like Grogu with the droids, but those characters could communicate right. actively with their companions. And, like, that's what made them feel more real. I, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not more, saying you're wrong. Like, I just, I love that. <laughs> you, I love that this is the hill you're dying on. So... I, I want to ma- I do. Let's make it a game. And I'll, I'll in my notes every week, I'll put down my guesses for if Nick hated or a- appreciated Grogu in that episode. I think that'll be a fun new new part of the deep dive breakdown. Every Tuesday, 2:30 p. East on YouTube at Star Wars Time Show. Let's go. I love it. <laughs> that motherfucker didn't talk. It's episode 3. I'm out. Like he just comes in, Nick's fucking throws his hat down. He's like 
fuck you, Double Bird, the Grogu. He's like lighting his Grogu stuff on fire yeah. behind them. Let's do all it. All of the yeah. zero Grogu like, like, things. Well, dude, I'll, I'll send you some because I, I want you to be like one of those angry NFL fans when, when like a player leaves or something. <laughs> I want you to like film yourself burning Cro- uh, Grogu <laughs> merchandise like that's going to do something to Lucasfilm. I, but I, I will say that I, I was never one that was like, <laughs> super like everybody in the world like had this super love affair with Grogu as soon as he came out and like you can go oh, back I and know to I know shows. I know hey listen like th- Nick's not lying like this isn't some new thing just to be different he's always hated the little green fucker so I love it I just he's getting more vocal now he's laid down the gamut if he ain't talking or it feels <laughs> like he can communicate by episode three it's over Nick is filing his petition to start the I hate Grogu fan club all right let's do it uh, i love it make him a character and not a carry along item that's all i want (laughs) that's that because that's kind of what he is now let's play the clip for nick now i just want to see like steam start coming out of his ears he's not talking goddamn (laughs) all right back to bad batch we we got shit to do today everyone let's go get serious we get we got a business meeting after this clusterfuck believe it or not We're, we're, we're limping along the Star Wars D&D. Who the hell knows what that's going to look like? But anyways, back to Bad Batch. So it sounds like we're, we're, we're kind of on the same page. I, I would say this was probably, to me, one of the uh, lowest effort episodes of the season so far. I mean, I, I just, I'm not going to say I hate it. I'm not going to say it was filler, but it, it, I'm, I'm with Nick. You know, same environments, same t- sort of idea. I think some brilliant character building. No doubt about it, uh, yeah. but overall, it, it left much to be desired. So let's let's go through and talk about some of the moments of note. And uh, there were two of them, but before that, since there was no like true Easter eggs and references and stuff like that, I ran with something that I, I didn't know if it would hit with other fans or resonate. But I personally felt this way when I watched this scene, Nick. And I'm talking about after the batch realizes that they're fucked and they're walking through this this canyon, a stampede takes place, and it reminded me of another iconic stampede from the Disney verse, yeah. and that is the death <laughs> of Mufasa. I mean, it, it that I'm not, I I. I think there were some clear nods to the Lion King in this moment from the way they filmed it. You know, you had them getting out, little Simba Omega hanging on, and big Mufasa Wrecker couldn't hang on long enough, falls down in. But luckily for Wrecker, he's wearing clone armor, therefore he did not get mutilated to death in the yeah. stampede. But I, I I don't know about you. Did you did you get any Lion King vibes from that? Or yeah. you, you weren't even thinking that way? Definitely, definitely got some Lion King vibes from that, especially, I mean, like it, even like the setting itself, not just the stampede, because the setting for Mufasa's fall to death was like in a gorge, like yeah. he fell from a cliff into a gorge. And where were they going? They were climbing up a gorge yep. uh, into uh, and or they, yeah, they were like climbing up and he fell back down into the gorge. So, yeah. Again, Wrecker d- didn't have a lot of time in the sun, but did have great moments. I don't know if anyone picked up on like him bitching about carrying the stuff and Tech giving him a hard time for carrying the case. He's like, oh, fine, you carry it then. And then Tech can't really carry it and he loses it and gets it blown up and, the, you know, they get locked in that hole. I, I just, I mean, Wrecker, he's just, he's, he's a joy every episode. You know, and people, 
of of you know I don't, I don't want to say low intelligence but you know lower iq individuals slow adults sometimes they're just gems to be around you know they they brighten up a room they'll make you smile just because they're you know they're, they're genuinely good humans and that is wrecker all right in terms of the uh top moments here obviously they're gonna re, uh revolve around tech and omega i just got to kill the the heat here for a second because i don't like the way it sounds when i'm talking i don't really care how how you you all feel uh, but it distracts me i mean when you have a show that takes 20 minutes to get started because of bad tech does it really matter the the, <laughs> the quality of the product coming out of it uh but nick uh some of the top moments i had here written down the first one being uh, just tech not being able to read the room initially and really upsetting Omega with his callous approach to Echo leaving. And and it was a good setup scene for them getting stranded together and, and uh, for the lack of a better term, being forced to kind of reconcile their issues with each other. But also I think they, they you know, they both kind of had growth moments. Yeah. But, but in this scene in particular, you, you really see that, Tech just doesn't understand what it's like to have a young person where uh, even our, our slow friend Wrecker and obviously Hunter and, and, and um, Echo figured it out. But he just he has no idea how to handle Omega right now as she is dealing with the loss of a a brother. And I think it was a really well written scene and, and, and Tech's inability to be emotional was really put on display here. Yeah. Um, um. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a good moment for sure. Um, it, it, it was purely a moment that sets up towards the end, but yeah, I mean, if there was anything that was a highlight, definitely that, that little beginning of the. Right. And, and as Nick guessed, my, my second top moment, the last top moment was their second talk where after they went through that water slide and ended up in that underground pool and they actually had time to just, you know, Omega kind of forced the issue, which you got to appreciate as a little kid, she's just like, hey, dude, what the fuck? Like, why are you this way? I mean, I, I wish I'm, I'm almost 43 and I still don't have the balls to go to my dad and be like, hey, dad, is there a reason you haven't talked to myself or my family in a year and a half? Can you can you explain that? Because I'm running out of excuses to tell my daughter why you now have abandoned her like everyone else in your life. I'm too big of a puss to do that. I don't want to deal with it. You know, I, I've had years of his nonsense, so I've built up many calluses. Be like, hey, fuck it, who cares? I don't, I don't really need him in my life. But he was a big thing for Charlie growing up, and now he's just literally been gone for almost two years. No word, no nothing. This is what he does. But you know that that, that I, I I wish I had the balls that Omega had there to just kind of call him on his nonsense. Like, why are you this way? I think that'd do a, a lot of us a lot of good in our lives if we could do that to more people, especially our loved yeah. ones. Why are you this way? Please explain it to me so I don't want to slap you in the face. But what I picked up here, Nick, and I don't know if you did, but did you feel like even as tech opened up, he, to me, in his approach to relationships and attachments, felt very Jedi-like. He, you know, he's like, yeah. listen, we, we, I, I don't have time for attachments or feelings because that would mess with my ability to get the job done. And that's more or less the mantra of, of the Jedi before they were taken out. Like, listen, you can't love anything because it will fuck your focus and you will not be able to execute your mission 
as a, you know, pure light side Jedi. And it just felt like tech was, you know, I'm not saying he has powers or anything, but his philosophy was very Jedi-like when it comes to attachments. Yeah, I mean, I think that he was designed to be that way too. I mean, like the bad, we all know that like the bad batch is the bad batch because they have these like very specific design quirks to their, you know, the way that they were built and, you know, or the way that things went wrong in their building process. And Tex was, he is a very, he is a highly intelligent soul focus on the task at hand tech person. And like, he's a human computer. Yeah. He's a human computer. And like, you know, he, he was essentially built to have no emotion. And that is exactly what the Jedi, especially during the Grand Republic, were trained to do, was right. to have no emotion, no That's attachment. That's why they get him as kids. They get him as a baby. That way they can't yeah. develop those. And so, like, you, you fucking wipe that, that slate clean to where they, they don't have the ability to make connections. They don't even recognize connections in other people when they happen. And that's where that's how you get to where tech was when Echo left. He's just like, yeah, Echo's a Echo's a soldier. Echo's a, a, a you know, he's a he he works just like we do. He's off to another job. And that that's essentially what he was saying to Omega in the beginning was that like, look, he's just got other stuff to do. We have other stuff to do. Let's do the stuff that we have to do. We don't have to worry about where he's going. Right. Um, but that's yeah, no, just I, that I, was I, like I, his design. Right. And, and, you know, we got Kevin in here, some other people chime in, love you in the live stream, everyone keep it up. Uh, that one's for you. But, um, it, you know, Kevin's saying, to be fair, tech, he was created for war. I, I, I 100% agree, but so were Hunter, Wrecker, Echo, Rex, and they all have figured out emotions and how to deal with Omega. So tech really was like the the last one who who was just because of his special tweaks. Like, we got to remember, Clone Force 99, they're not regs for a reason. Each one has a very specific tweak, with Tex being, you're you're a supercomputer, but you're an organic. You're not even a cyborg like Echo became. You are just, this is what you do. You, you, you program shit, you read radios, you send signals, you tap in the comms, you hack stuff. Uh, where Hunter got the the sense, like the the smell and 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 sound. Wrecker obviously got the the brains, right? And then, um, well, that was it, really, for Clone Force ninety nine was just those four. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I think we are going to see a different tech moving forward. I, I'm not I don't I'm not saying wildly different. Like he he's not going to get himself a hairpiece and have a mohawk and you know get tattoos on his face. But, but I think this talk with, with Omega did him well, and he will become more of a, he, he will become as, as emotional as his wiring will allow him, which is going to be more than we've seen in the past. And I do fear, Nick, a lot of times when characters have this, this epiphany and this level of growth emotionally, especially with a, an important lead character, Sometimes they they suffer for it, or they 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 almost get sacrificed. Like, oh hey, you had a great character moment, now you go away. That type of stuff. Um, I I don't think that's happening yet, uh, but I do now see where Tech could kind of kind of be this sacrificial hero at this point in time, and it would pop more because he was the last one to come around to the idea of we are a family now. We are no longer a war unit. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see where we go from here. Obviously we have another whole, another episode, at least dedicated to the, 
you know, the finish line for this. You can see how excited story. he is. You can hear it in his voice. <laughs> uh, definitely not. It's like definitely someone not. fucking stab out my eyes before tomorrow. So I don't have yeah. to watch this, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really do hope that what this episode is, is a, quick resolution to where they are now in terms of like, Hey, we, okay, we're right. out. And then they like, it just ends and it, it with them like getting off planet somehow and finding their ship. Cause that's how it has to end. I mean, like this, this episode arc has to end with them finding their ships somewhere, whether it be on the planet that they're on now or somewhere close by that they can like get a lift to and then find it either by happenstance or some other thing. But I imagine that that's how this episode is going to go. Um, and it will end with like everybody showing more of an appreciation for the Marauder as their home <laughs> like Omega did. I mean, like that's almost 100% how I'm that's going to if I, I'm calling you when I get up tomorrow at the crack of dawn and we're, we're watching this together because I, I just I want to see you watch this. Like, oh, it, your we'll voice see. is drip, dripping with sarcasm. Like, it's it's just like... Yeah, you're I mean, probably like, right. How, I, I just that's why I want to watch it with you. I just want to see that, you like be like, "Fuck, are you so See, I told you this is how it would happen. Can we please get to the crosshair episode next? Yeah. Just, just bring us, you know, just a little bit more plot forwarding stuff like that. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Here, here's a, here's um, a, I, I, let, let's touch on this real quick. Connor from the live stream chat, and I, I've seen this too. Um. Would you consider Tech to be autistic based on how he acts? I think could, that could you, you see could, him being could, on the spectrum? I think that you could argue that every core member of the batch is somewhere on the spectrum. Yeah, like that's a good I, point. I would say that for 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 all three of them, the one that's the one that you could argue is probably may not be is Hunter, but I think that Hunter has. Very like if nothing else, Hunter has like a level of uh what is it like anxiety and like almost like a prepper mentality. Like he's always yeah. in a position to where like he's he's ready for any eventuality. He in fact he's over ready. He's yeah, he's always on edge for sure. Yeah, like he's always on edge, like super high anxiety. But for for tech and for Wrecker, you could argue that they're on probably opposite ends of the autism spectrum. Um, where tech is on the side that is like highly focused, highly intelligent, but has no interpersonal societal skills. Right. And Wrecker's on the opposite end of it where he has very low intelligence, but he does have like a, like where he, I don't want to say where he thrives, but he has like personal like skills to where he can like converse with other people and he can get along with other people. No, I like, Um, I I like that. I I, I think you made a great point there. I mean, honestly, I'm probably on the spectrum, but I, I was born in the 80s when it wasn't being diagnosed. I mean, I, some of the shit I do, I, I, you know, I do for fun, but a lot of it, especially when I go nuts like crazy, Matt, that, that's a, that is a visceral reaction that normal people usually don't have. You know, yeah. normal people usually won't start chewing on their fingers when they start to get angry or anxious or like, come on, hurry up. Uh. I mean, I, I, I chew on my fingers. I'll punch my legs. I'll slap my head. I mean, I, I do some weird shit, not to mention all the rituals I've incorporated into my life. 
Uh, I mean, for example, to turn on the back burner to boil water or something, I have to wave my hand over it three times to ensure that yeah, I'm I mean, turning on the right burner. Like, it's just, I have to do it. So yeah, I, I mean, that that's like a slight, I mean, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist or anything, oh, that, but like, that's, that's definitely that's like an type OCD, of OCD for sure, yeah. Yeah, like OCD. There have been. I mean, I've I've gotten better, Nick. I I really used to OCD out with working out to the point where I'd be like, if I can't do another set or if you can't do another rep, something something bad's gonna happen. You know what I mean? That was like how I would motivate myself. Like, oh, I'm running last mile to go. I just want to quit. I'd be like, hey, if you quit, you're gonna fucking get hit by a car, or you you you'll never achieve this, or your mom will die. I mean, that's like the the weird stuff I cook up. I think that's to a degree like what tech goes through. Like tech is like, if I don't do this, if I don't solely focus on the task at hand, right, we're going to lose, we're going to lose, we're going to lose. We're, we're, somebody's going to die. We're yeah. going to, you know, All there's right. going to be a catastrophic issue that happens here. So like to a degree, I think that that's what he deals with. And that's why he is so laser focused on just the task at hand and nothing else. Because especially now with Echo gone, I feel like, to a certain degree, tech felt like he could lean on Echo a little bit more for like, you know, hacking like, hey, shit, be, getting in a door. Yeah, and, like these other guys don't really understand what we're yeah. trying to do here. Like you have this ability, you have like some of the abilities that I have just from, you know, your time with the techno union and what you did to you. So like those were kind of like two kindred spirits. And now that Echo's gone, tech feels even more pressure on himself to be like, I have to be the one to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch. Well, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's something I, I forgot to bring up in our, our breakdown here. Good thing we haven't ended yet, but I, it, it was clear from the get go and you even heard the team talk about it, but being down echo is the reason they're in this conundrum right now. Like they, yeah. they were not prepared to go on a mission, a man down. They, they weren't used to being back or hell, just being down to a three-person team in Omega. They've always operated at, at, as a four-person squad or higher. So w- losing a, a man obviously led to the fuck up with Wrecker, letting the thing get stolen, getting caved in because it, you know you had to have more clones go in than could stay outside. So yeah, lots of, uh, you know, hey, it's, uh, that's what the episode was for, dealing with the fallout of, of Echo. And uh, this was really, it seems, you know, a lot of people like, oh, you know, we're just standalone episodes. But we now have had a string since the Gunji episode where the previous episodes and the events are discussed. So it is kind of overarching whether we love these little, uh, you know, standalone kind of closed arc episodes or not. But in episode seven, they reference Gunji and meditation in, in episode nine here, they referenced all the shit that happened in seven and eight with, and obviously with Echo leaving. So th- if you pay attention, the story and the world, they are continuing to build. I think we, we'd all argue that sometimes the world building is not quite enough to uh, keep us satiated. All right. Uh, we got another question here. Do you think we're getting another season at this point or will they wrap it up in the coming episodes? I, I think you're for sure getting another season with something like yeah. this. Uh, unless the money just runs out or they sell the license again like they did mid OG Clone Wars, it, it'll have a planned end date similar to what they did with Rebels where it was announced like, listen, and I was there. I was there for the uh, this would have been the Orlando celebration 2017, the last Jedi one. And that's when I, you know, I could still get media access to stuff. 
and I, I got to sit in the media scrum for Rebels. So we're talking felonies at the fucking table. I'm sticking my little fat hand up like, Dave, 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 you know, doing that type of shit. Uh, but they, that's where they announced that they were done. And everyone, like, there's a collective like, oh, no, Rebels, after season four, you're going to kill it. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think we'll get a it, it'll be launched as the final season of Bad Batch. So we're, we're safe for at least three seasons, if not more. I mean, why not? Uh, yeah, unless I unless so. Iger's cost cutting stuff comes into play with series like Bad Batch, I don't. They have they still have many, many years to play with, even up to you can think even up to the Kenobi series. That that's ten fucking years. And I think at this point, Nick, what do you what do you think we've covered since the fall of the Republic? A year? Maybe? Yeah, I'm gonna say a year, if that. I mean right. there's like this is the bad batch for better or for worse in whatever way that you want to look at it. Like the bad batch is the new Clone Wars. Like the Bad Batch has a lot of time to cover. Yeah. Clone Wars had a lot of time. Clone Wars had like what three was years. It? It, well, yeah, technically three. in world, it had three, four years to cover, and we got seven seasons to cover yeah. three years. So. so, like, I mean, if if you just look at purely what's in between Bad Batch, well, like, what's the next thing after Bad Batch? Like, what? Solo, Kenobi, Andor? no Kenobi. It, it's literally it goes. Uh, no, you're right. I think it's Solo, Kenobi, Andor, like that. Yeah. So, so I mean, y- you have. A lot, and and the thing is about though about Solo andor and Kenobi specifically is like that's that doesn't even put like a stopping point on the map for Bad Batch because all that is is stories told within the same time period. Right. Like you don't really hit a stopping point for the Bad Batch until you choose to or you get to Episode Four. Well, I yeah, think I, that I, that I would is say the most I would logical say... stopping point. Um, was it season two or season three where they find Rex in Rebels? In Rebels, I think it's two. Yeah. I think it's it might be towards the end of two. So that that's probably it Your for the closest, Bad Batch. Yeah, yeah. That that's so, probably so like a, a couple years post. before um, Yavin, but definitely yeah, right within that timeline. So yeah. So you have there's a lot of time to cover, and I think that I don't see where else they would go if you're thinking like well, Bad Batch has got one more season and then they'll move on to something else that continues the rest of the timeline. Like, I don't know what other way you could do that. Like, what other characters are you going to follow? Vader, um, at this point, is our, is yeah, our I mean, lone you, guy that could explore that that hasn't been touched on yet. Because, yeah, right, I mean, we got Cal, Cal Kestis kind of covering his his part of this timeline. As you said, Solo, uh, yeah. Kenobi, and then Andor... It, is still kind of at the far end of this still. I mean, Andor is five years before Yavin. So it, it's at the far end of this pre pre um, battle of Yavin timeline shit. So I, I don't yeah, I mean, so. I, I honestly could see bad batch going for minimum four seasons. Yeah. Easy. Uh, if, I, if not, yeah. if not more, if not rivaling the clone wars, cause Nick's right. I mean, who, what better faction to cover this unknown timeline than, than the batch where you get to do it in animated, you have the ties that a clone wars animated franchise. It just makes sense. Like we've got our live action tent poles to, to flesh out parts of this era, but I think bad batch is the best vehicle to get broad chunks of it covered. Yeah. So, um, <sighs> don't count on this being the last season of Bad Batch. If it was, we would have already known for sure. There's right. no way that they like lead you into a season and then like 
halfway through be like, hey, this is the last one. Get ready. I, I feel like we would uh, we would know if this was the last yeah, one. This ain't one. Disney Plus hasn't turned into Netflix yet where they just get new IP and kill it after a season, even though fans love it. So like we're, one of the we're, things we're not there that I yet. just found out today is that like this show that I really enjoyed on Netflix, Mind Hunters, it was the David Fincher, um, David Fincher's series that was about like um, the early days of the FBI and profiling serial killers uh, just got canceled with no uh, with no announcement. Like David yeah. Fincher literally came out and said himself, he's like, you could probably consider it canceled. Yeah, that, that's but Netflix, like, dude. Just like, yeah. hey. <laughs> like, what, what is it? it was a really good show, The Sandman. And they let The Sandman waffle on if it's going to get a second season for months. And people are like, hey, we liked it. We'll watch more, but Netflix is like, hey, fuck you. We'll, we'll decide. We'll cancel it or we won't cancel it. It's like how they right. killed 1899 after one season. I heard a bunch of people thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I um, mean, that's been happening a lot more recently. And I think that, like, it's because, like, these, these streamers are realizing, I mean, especially now after what fucking HBO Max did with, with a lot of their content, with a lot of their content that was still not released yet, um, they're just like, we're just going to cancel it because we can write it. It would be better for us to write that, that it is, off. That is just, my God, that, that's probably the worst thing you could do to a creative. I mean, yeah, wh whether Batgirl was going to be great or not, just think about that. You had all those people work on that movie till, to the point it was done. It was shot in the can. And like Nick said, Warner Brothers like, Hey, we can, we can save like 48 mil on taxes if we just fucking shelved this thing. <laughs> Yeah. See ya. So it's like, oh my God. And and like I think that now streaming services, I think the big issue now is like they've reached the apex of their subscriber numbers. Like they can't like more often than not, unless you release in a new region of the world, like a country you've never been. Yeah, released you're in. not going to add pi millions of, yeah. of people. Like, how are you going to get subscribed? I mean, Netflix has been around as a streamer for fucking what, 15 years now? Like a long time. Well, they, they've been they're around pretty much the original, in, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're definitely like the original streaming service that like caught on in a global national frenzy. So it's not like. There are gobs and gobs of people out there who've never subscribed to Netflix. Like Netflix is, has probably achieved their highest subscriber numbers. And now all they're trying to do is just get back to it. Yeah, um, trying to make money. So, That's why they're doing all that yeah. password cracking down. And, and listen, I, I'm yeah. never going to be someone that gets upset at that. Like pay for your fucking shit, people. Okay. Quit being yeah. a leech. Quit leeching off your friends or, or your family and quit le letting motherfuckers leech off of you. I have never shared my shit. I don't give a fuck. I've got more streamers than one person should have. And I am never going to give them to anyone else because they're mine. I work, I pay for them. That's how you keep the economy going and new art being made. You cheap assholes, you people mom, out there stealing subs and shit. Mine. Yeah. You, you people out <laughs> there stealing too. subs. Th this is why Nick keeps talking every week about how streamers are going to go out of business because People are stealing content. That's what it is. It's no different than when we used to steal songs off of CDs or bootleg movies out of movie theaters on Kazaa. People in the end, the artists, they're not getting paid. Yeah, I mean, it's... we're going to talk about the writer strike coming out. That's all looped into streaming and, and uh, creative accounting and whatnot. So pay for it. If you can afford the, the monthly fee, pay for it.
All right, we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna hammer on Nick's mom and dad. We'll let them go, but <laughs> all that shit needs to stop. All right, you're stealing. Okay, uh, moving on. I had something to say about the Bad Batch before we put it away, but it's been deleted. Uh, the only note I have left is shithead Sid. Shithead so, Sid for I not guess. for for <laughs> essentially guess. like turning her back on them. I mean, you mentioned that earlier on, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, they they could they literally finally got to a place where they could send out a transmission, and then Sid's like, ah, deal yeah, with go, it yourself. It's not yourself. my fault. Your ship <laughs> got stolen. Like, I love her, man. Literally, not my uh, fault. Oh, your I know ship what it was. Stolen. It had absolutely nothing to do with Star Wars, Netflix. Way late to the party here, my friends. But I am a huge fan, my wife's probably even bigger, of Shadow and Bone. Did you fuck mm. with that? We watched the first, maybe like the first episode and like just didn't get pulled into it. So I'm not. My goodness, sure. but th- that's one. It, it, it ties into our tangent here. It's one that actually got a second season. It's coming in March. Heather and I, we're going through the first season now, but she absolutely loves it. And I'm like, how the hell? How did I sit on this one for so long? I knew it was there. It was always in my list. I just like, oh, I'll try something else, try something else. But Shadow and Bone, it, it's, it's got like a Wheel of Time vibe to it where, you know, people are, there's like magic in the world, but it's not magic. It's, it's matter manipulation and there's like dark magic, light magic, sun bringer, dark bringer. I don't know. I dig it. And it seems to be like, I would assume the uh, original author was like a, from the Eastern Bloc, because a lot of the names and, and the style of the of the world looks very uh, Russian to me. But I don't know. I think Shadow and Bone is is fucking titties if you're into fantasy type of stuff. Like, I'd have to recheck it out. Yeah, it's yeah. Shit, there you go. Stormtrooper Barney can vouch for me. Shadow and Bone was pretty good. All right, but that's one that you can at least rest assured that if you watch season one, Netflix is not going to pull the rug out from under you. There is a second season coming. Um, yeah, check it out. Like, like I said, if you, if you like wheel of time or, or magic set in like, uh, like a steampunk era, not necessarily way back with knights and horses, like there's guns in shadow and bone and the magicians or the mad, or they call them the Grisha. They're like, yeah, we were great until these cocksuckers figured out automatic weapons. Now us as magic people, we've, the, 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 the playing field has been leveled. Yeah. So it, it's not like unicorns and knights and shit like that. It, it'd be like, I don't know, 19th century America, but with a, with, with like magic shit or, or 19th century Europe, but with magical beings. Okay. So, uh, I, I we already spit out what we think is going to happen tomorrow on the bad batch. We're, we're going to get resolution here. Marauders probably coming back. I, I think more than likely the little kids stealing the shit is a part of that village that has been abandoned and we'll probably figure out why that happened. And, uh, you know, maybe Sid will fuck him in the end and not send something. But like I said, I do think they get their home back in some capacity. And then well, you know what that means, Nick, the next two episodes are going to be that, uh, D Bradley Baker described standout crosshair affair. So at least we got that going for us. But- yeah. Yeah. So, Something to look forward to in it. I mean, that's that those have definitely been the highlight moments, honestly. I mean, it's it's those episodes that are focused on the inner workings of of the Empire, like what's going on with uh, Crosshair, what's going on with the clones, what's going on with the conscripting of soldiers that's going to start soon. Like 
that's that's really been the strong point of the season and i really do hope that after you know tomorrow's episode we start to lean a little bit more back into that for the second half of of season two so we'll see where we go all right i think that does it for uh, bad batch i just realized a lot of my stories got closed down um, but all right, what, what, what I want to talk about next now we, we've, you know, we, we don't like to celebrate too much on this show. We don't give a shit about our own anniversaries. Fuck star Wars day. You know what? We'll, we'll talk about it and say may the fourth a few times if you think it's cute, but we, you know, we, we don't really, we don't get down with that type of shit, but what we do get excited for is when the Mandalorian is coming back to the airwaves. And, and in case you haven't been keeping score, that's happening next Wednesday. That's right. We're, we're just over a week away or just right at a week away, depending on when you're listening to episode 252 of the SWTS. But I am getting jazzed. I've been, I've been going through my rewatch. We're up on the book of Boba Fett currently. We've made it to episode two. Um, but I, I thought, you know, Nick and I, we usually like to look ahead when a new series or, or a series is coming back for a new season. We like to look ahead and, and, and provide our wants. You know, it's the intelligent way of saying what, what we hope to see in the upcoming season of The Mandalorian. So um, I, I put together a, a quick list to just riff on before we get to, into our other news topics on The Mandalorian of things we would like to see in The Mandalorian Season 3. Now, I don't know if, if Nick added to this. I, I, I just was kind of pulling shit on my ass. I did loop in the one thing I know he wants to see, so don't worry, the Grogu thing will be on the list. But Nick, let, let, let's go ahead and, and talk about a few of these real quick to celebrate the uh, soon-to-be-released Mandalorian Season 3 next Wednesday. I, I'm not going to lie, I am genuinely excited uh, I, I know it's getting into dual Star Wars show type of of uh, s- scenario for me, which sucks, right? Like, but I'll get over it. it it's going to be worth it to tune in next Wednesday and get to see what my guy and my little guy are up to. I, I just I I'm extremely excited for season one or season three E one to kick off. So Nick, here we go. I, I got a few bullets on here. Uh, the, the one thing, listen, we, we've talked about this today, last week ad nauseum. I'm just going to bring it up first. But the one thing we want to see, and this is for my man Nick, Grogu communicates beyond coups and signs. Okay, I think, that, I think that's a safe one, right? That, that's definitely something you have put forth in this universe, and you've said that if you don't get that by episode three— you're going to burn Grogu at the stake. Yes. No more watching The Mandalorian. That he's would gonna, be my last episode. He's going to have <laughs> a, a sacrificial ceremony in his front yard to try and entice people to buy his house. Um, all right. So that, that, that's one. That was an easy one. Here, here, the, the next one I had here. Learn more about Din's pass with Death Watch. All right. So hear me out. We really only have that one flashback to where he got picked up by Death Watch. I would like, you know, just a, you know, 30 second, 45 second montage, maybe him talking to the armor about his past and why he feels the need to go to Mandalore and redeem himself. Like, I, I want to get more of maybe even his training or why Din is so fucking looped into the cult. 
You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, can, can we get yeah. a little more backstory as to why he is so Kool-Aid or cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, even if it's just a, a little segment of, of, of Tiny Din and his first set of armor talking with whoever took him on? I mean, hell, that would be great just to see who was Din's father figure, Rescue. just like, yeah, because... Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the armor, he became the the caretaker of Grogu because she charged him with that. He is your foundling. He is your responsibility. So I, I would like to get some insights into okay, who was who was Din's quote unquote caretaker? Uh, next one here, Nick. Sticking with the armorer, who is she? I want to yeah. know: is she? Could she be Rookcast? All right, one of the Maldalorians who you could argue did help splinter Mandalorian society by going in leagues with Maul, and you would think was someone that helped Maul do that, and she saw what happened to the planet, maybe she would kind of go back to the creed? Or is it just someone new? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a burning desire to figure out who the fuck the armor is and why she's the de facto leader of, of the Nutjob clan. What do you think? <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, I I do think uh, it makes most sense to be somebody that we would recognize from the animated series from Clone Wars, like Rickast. Um, Do you think he'll uh, do it, though? I mean, do you think they're going to make her a known character, or is she going to be someone new, but maybe from Legends? I don't know. I mean, to me, it makes the most sense to make them, like, Rickast or somebody that we already know from Clone Wars, because, like, even in Legends, like, you kind of get into an area to where, like, we have diverged very far from where legends was at this time right. in the uh in the timeline and where we are now in actual canon so it would be hard to pull in i mean at least as far as i know and again like i've only read certain novels i've i haven't read everything in in legends so i'm sure that there are people out there who could maybe pinpoint a character from legends that would fit well in here but to me it would be more beneficial for it to be like one of these old death watch members or old you know maldalorian members from yeah. the the established tv yeah, cause, series because i'm trying to think I, I don't think there are any more creases left or at least that we know of i mean w- would you think that would be interesting if we found out that the armor is like a part of to- a part of the royal line i mean that's essentially what the creases are they're 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 the royal line of mandalore yeah um, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. It would be way out of left field, considering, like you said, to this point, we thought we've known all the creases. Right, just you know, you have Satine and Bo were, were yeah. the sisters, and, then, and I think there was like a nephew in there at one point in time. Yeah, and it's obviously not the nephew, um, and I think that their parents are dead. Um, so, if it, yeah, I mean, I would, I would think that it would be like an old Death Watch member and. Uh, you don't really have many to choose from <laughs> that we're nah, actually but on to. There, there's also thing. weird shit that we have to somehow has to be resolved if she is a part of Death Watch. Because what always gets me from season three trailers is when Bo-Katan Kreese is like, your kind fractured our people. It's like, don't you, you mean were, you? Uh, yeah, it's like, like you were a part of that too. <laughs> you, you you were literally the second in command to Pre Vizsla. You're the ones that moved up to the fucking moon and were wreaking terror campaigns on Mandalore proper. Like how how does that not begin the fracturing of the people? So was it 
was Armor in Death Watch or was she someone normal on Mandalore or, or was she a whole other faction that was even more hardcore than Death Watch? Because in my mind, Nick, Death Watch formed because they wanted to go back to the roots of the Mandalorian culture, the more warrior-centric yeah, uh, culture versus Satine trying to make it more... Uh, you know, like a Republic type of system, a system that could join the Republic, even though I know Mandalore never was officially a part of it. So that's, that's why I want to learn more. She's so fucking mysterious. Like what, what's her angle? Why did her people choose to go this extreme to try and prolong the Mandalorian race? Like what was she doing before all this? Was she in death watch? Was she against death watch? If she's against death watch, why the fuck is she so hardcore now with, with the creed? I don't know. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of question marks that surround that character. And it is getting to a point. I mean, like at this point, she, I, I almost feel like she needs to be revealed yes. in this episode. Or, or this more of her because, in, like, intentions have to be exposed. Because yeah, I mean, I, like, we, I, go ahead. No, it's because like, we, we've, we've come to a point now where it's like you're closing out that arc. Like this season is going to close out this bunker boy armor. No, yeah, arc. yeah, yeah. This there, is like there's, this should resolve the Mandalorian faction problem. You would hope yeah. by the end of this season, after they probably, you know, slap each other around a little bit, they'll figure out like, okay, we we hashed out our shit. We went on, you know, Dr. Phil or whatever. We're good. Let's kind of reevaluate the creed moving forward. Like yeah. If you, if you mean, weirdos so. want to stick with the helmet shit, that's fine. But just know that you can accept us as Mandalorians, too. It's all right. Yeah. Like, we need to be on the same page. If you want to have your, your uh, religious stuff, we'll build you churches. You can do that shit on a Sunday. But outside of that, if, if I'm Bo, if I want to take my fucking helmet off when we're all hanging out in a room, you're not going to give me shit and threaten me that I'm no longer a Mandalorian. Like, you, you just need to yeah. get over that. If, yeah, I mean, if this extends into season four, that would be, I would be very surprised if, if, yeah, like, I, I think you're right. You know, I, I think this uh, shit is the bulk of the season and I'm, I'm fucking up for it. Like I, I want to see Mandalorians gathering in mass. I want to see them having problems with each other, but then I want them to see the, see them figure out their problems and start kicking the empire's dick. All right. Like that, that's where yeah. I'm at. And I do, I do think that is where things are going to head. I just, I think that will be very close to the end. I think there's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations for the Mandalorians in this season before they figure their shit out. Because clearly they got a ton of it, and there are reasons that the armorer and people like her existed. They, they did feel that the only way for us to survive now is to stay hidden, stay masked, and stick to the creed and the creed only. Because if you veer from the creed, bad things happen. Yeah. Ah, man. I just, that's the, I'm, that's the stuff I'm excited about. Fuck Grogu. Fuck Din. Who's the armorer and what's her motivation? Like, that's, that, that's got (laughs) me excited. Because that, to me, that's the lore stuff. The stuff that really gets me up in the morning for Star Wars. All right. Yeah. Next one, and I, 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 this should be a no-brainer. Uh, think of it as a, a same soft start as they did with Ahsoka and the Mandalorian. But I think we need to get our introduction to Sabine in, in this season of Mandalorian. It just it makes too much sense. It will establish her for the uh, non-fandos, so they're ready for her in Ahsoka. 
Plus, if we're going to have Mandalorians massing together, talking about restoring Mandalore, a Wren has to be there. Uh, in fact, there's a good chance we may see her mother if she yeah. survived the, the, the Clone Wars because her mother was directly working with Bo-Katan to get Ahsoka to help them against the Separatists. Uh, but I, I think Sabine Wren is a, a done deal for the Mandalorian. I agree. I think that, that she makes her way in this time. I, I do think that it may be towards the like the middle half. Yeah, of the yeah, season. like an episode five yeah. or just like just like yeah. we got with Ahsoka. And, and, and I don't think she is going to be a part of what the Mandalorians do. But I do think she pops up. Hey, it's you. Your man, though, what do you think? Because you got to remember, the Wrens were pretty popular, too. I mean, they, yeah. they, they had their own clan. I mean, they, it was the Wren fucking clan, and they were running shit on one of the moons within the Mandalorian system. So uh, I, I would not be surprised to see some Wrens pop up. Uh, Sabine, obviously, being the most important. Get her established. Let's see what Natasha looks like, how she is, and then we'll be ready to rock for Ahsoka. Uh, Gideon's grand plan and does it involve Thrawn? So that that's really the key for me. We our boy Giancarlo because he can't really keep his excitement tempered during interviews. He, he pretty much already said like, listen, Gideon's doing stuff, and that stuff is going to become even more in your face. Let's just say he has a, a way of restoring the empire that he needs to convince other people of his position that that his way is the way. So like I said, Nick, it's not so much Gideon's plan. We know he has one and he probably let himself get captured. I mean, after watching chapter eight, I guess you could argue he does try to kill himself, but I still think he feigned everything. He definitely feigns losing the dark saber because he knows the drama it's going to create with Bo and Din like that. Mm -hmm. That was such a fucking setup by him. Uh, but you, you could also argue that he ultimately wanted to get captured and, and taken back to the New Republic to kind of kick off this grand plan. So to me, Nick, does Gideon, knowing who the type of character he is, and he kind of wants to be the guy, do you think he references Thrawn at all? Does Thrawn get any play in Mandalorian Season 3, at least from the Remnant's standpoint? Or is he going to be saved thoroughly for Ahsoka? I think that we may get a taste of Thrawn at the end of season three. I name think name may... drop or like a stinger, like the book of Boba Fett deal at the end of season I would two. Say, Mando. I would say, Oh man, I would say stinger. I would say towards the, like, you know, the, the end of the last episode, you start to like, because to me, like the, like this conflict between like, the factions of Mandalorians between Gideon and then whatever his little dealio is like, that's going to take up all the, the whole season. Right. And I feel like they're going to stinger introduce Thrawn as like, here's your big bad that now that, you know, that everybody is going to be concerned about now that we've sorted out all the nonsense with the, the Mandalorian factions that are going on like now it. that, you know, uh, everything else has kind of been settled. That was an outstanding uh, piece from you know previous seasons let's roll into uh the thrawn arc getting him back we know so, that so we're going to explore that heavily you kind of thinking like we'll the here. traditional mcu stinger where hey good guys miller time right then credits oh here's a reminder that there's an even more evil force out there so i think 
Yeah, I think that that would be deals. the best way to handle it. Yeah, like the good guys are going to get a win. Might 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 lose some good guys, but they're ultimately going to get a win in season three. But then you're you're hoping or you're thinking before it's all said and done, after those credits scroll by, John and Dave are going to hit you with a little reminder, like don't worry, a bigger threat awaits, something like that. Yeah, I I think so because that also. If you do that and then you roll into Ahsoka where clearly Thrawn is going to be a, a primary character, I mean, you you don't name drop Thrawn in the season, in, in season two of The Mandalorian with Ahsoka um, and then not follow up on it in her own series. So they, I think that they're going to want to make that connection like right up front in the Mando with that stinger about Thrawn maybe through Ahsoka okay, and then roll into Ahsoka with like, Hey, it's a real threat now. Like there's like, it's, it's it. no longer just like, uh, you know, we think he's out there. Where is he out there? Like we know that Thrawn's back. We know that this is something we have to deal with. Let's get started on how we're going to deal. Yeah. With and it. I like, I, I don't have Ahsoka specifically on my once, you know, we, we, we've got her twice now. Uh, she's established. We've got our live action Ahsoka, but I, I could see her potentially being the vehicle, like you said, maybe getting some Thrawn drops, uh, but also delivering Sabine to the show. I mean, you, you would think these two are, are linked up at this point in time still or just finished whatever adventure they linked up on at the end of Return of the Jedi's timeline. So uh, I, I, I could see uh, the Sabine intro being accompanied by Ahsoka. And maybe that is like Nick saying, maybe they say that all for the end. Like they come in at the end after Din and everyone like, yeah, we did it. I'm Amanda again. But then, you know, Sabine and Ahsoka show up like, uh, 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 check this There's shit out. Yeah. It's, okay. All right. All right. I'll take. Um, Mando's versus Imperials. I, I think that's a, that's a given. Uh, but I am very excited to see this, uh, especially after, you know, rewatching season two and you, you get a brief look at what this could be in a in a small serving when you see, you know, three night owls in Din essentially take down an Imperial Star Cruiser by themselves, by themselves with their pistols and, and Din's grenades. That's it. So you have yeah. you have. Four Mandos, one of which has never worked with the other group. They get together and take down an entire Imperial Star Cruiser. So you you take that and extrapolate it to season three, where we've heard we're going to see 50, 60 Mandos at a time. I want to see what that looks like. Because yeah. I mean, battlefield moments, you know. Right. We, we, we've we, never really, I, we've seen it a bit in animated form, but it was, you had, you know, a highly skilled clone force fighting against Maldalorians and, and, and vice versa. Uh, here, you're going to have a highly skilled force fighting against fucking bums. And, and like uh, people in the South that still think like the stars and bars is a good thing. Like they don't realize that they're fucking traitors. That, that's who the remnant is, right? They're, they're a bunch of sycophants at, at, during the Mandoverse timeline. They can't let go. They don't think they've lost. They don't want to recognize the new world order. Um, so, uh, I think that is going to be a beautiful sight to take in and it could be if it plays out on a traditional battlefield or even like uh, throughout city streets as it could be happening in Navarro, 
it'll be unlike anything we've ever seen in Star Wars from an action perspective. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely hoping we get some massive battle. Bring the dark troopers, bring it all. Fuck it, let's go. Uh, we did the Grogu communicates. Bo and Din's dark saber, dark saber conflict resolved. Like Nick and Grogu speaking, I feel the same way about this dark saber. Like I, I don't want this to persist beyond season three. Like no, you take it. No, you take it. You you want it the right way. No, I want you to win. Like let's get over it. Let's have them have their conflict. But I, I want them to hash this thing out. I don't care who ends up with it. It's more than likely going to be our guy, even though I think he, he doesn't want any of that responsibility. But I would like to see them come to maybe a, a whole new approach to the Darksaber and break the cycle of lore behind it. You know, yeah. who, says, who says written words and myth have to dictate your future moving forward? I would like to see Bo and Din together with these other Mandos change the story of the Darksaber. You yeah, know? like figure out a new way forward that's good for all Mandalorians, go. not just good for, you know, the the faction that believes in that. Um, exactly. Like, yeah, you got to think, think for how impressive the Mandalorians are. They're really hung up on this, like, tradition. Yeah, just, just tradition like, in, in, in their culture. It's like, you got to well, change. Mean, you know, it's a, it's a common, I mean, like, what this is, is a commentary on religion and it's like at, at what point does religion stop serving you stop serving the, the the purpose that it did when it was invented you know like religion back in the day and the the the, the myth of the dark saber and all of the lore around the dark saber back in those days when there were active schisms within the mandalorian society like the the dark saber and what it represented and and what it represented to the culture was a way of saying like we have a way of identifying our true leader it's the person that holds this and that this that was at a time when mandalorians were at each other's throats so instead of sitting there having this giant war killing all of your 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 companions and your compatriots like you you had an easy way to figure out who the real leader was. And it was through trial by combat. Whoever has this sword is the leader. Um, now society has moved past that in, in star Wars, especially at this time for the Mandalorians, you don't have time or, or the numbers to be like, we have to follow this ancient way of how this shit is done. What, what Mandalorians need to focus on now in the current timeline is it's fucking, how do we come think together about. as a, yeah, it's they like, need to, they need to just, shit. no, they need to start having sex with each other. Yeah, Plain and simple. Like we, Rebuild the numbers. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can have your <laughs> way of thinking about things. We can have our way of thinking about things. But what we really need to focus on is what is the best way for our society to move forward to, yes, like you said, rebuild your numbers. Take to that become armor a functioning off. society again. Yeah. Keep the helmets on uh, if you're in the kink <laughs> and just start in, yeah. out, in, out, in, out. So... And, we think I mean, little, like little Bo Katan yeah. and Din babies. We think little, little I don't uh, know Bo, if, Bo Dejarin. <laughs> if anything, that like that would be a surprise to me because I never felt any like um, any like sexual tension between those two. No, but I no, feel I, like if anything, if they try to push at it, it would almost be for like <laughs> this is for the better of our bettering of our people. But, but what if they're like, but no, we gotta stick to the creed? Or Din's like, no, we gotta stick to the creed. Keep your helmet on, and he he's like banging his helmet into her to mimic uh, kissing. He's like, ooh, bow, ooh, bow, and all you hear is like clank, 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 clank. Uh, yeah, I'm a loser. There you go, Matt. Matt, uh, you just put out the you've just put out the uh, the first 
teaser to a, a an adult film that'll yeah, be Yeah, hey, for, look, <laughs> one six shooter. They can keep their helmet on, but that doesn't they uh, they didn't say anything about the rest of the armor. So yeah. he, I could see Din just walking in Daddy Pedro with a helmet and nothing else. Be like, You <laughs> like what you see, Bo? <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah, that's the other I mean, thing. Like, if armor wasn't Death Watch, those dickheads were taking their helmets off back during the Clone oh, Wars. Yeah. Anyways, all we'll, the we'll, time. God, all tell us who time. the armor is. And look, she's got little nubbins on her helmet. She's Maldalorian. Uh, <laughs> Mando mashing. I like it. Smash that Mando. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Let me let me uh, let me get it back up to an adult level of conversation here. But I mean, if you think about it, that that's what Mandalorians need to be doing. Not worrying about fucking dark sabers and mythosaurs and creeds and legends. They need to start fucking straight up. Keep the helmets on if you're in the, the you know, the cuckoo side and get it done. Like you can at least I would I would think that the armor would be OK with that. You know, like, Din, hey, am I allowed to fuck them as long as I keep my helmet on? Yes, that does not break the creed. He's like, yeah, all right, Bo, let's go. <laughs> uh, addressing the, the stream here, do you think Bo-Katan might be... Yes, Bo is going to be a bit antagonistic early yeah, on At least in the Din. beginning. And, and that, you know, that's been given to us in the trailers. I mean, it, even these new shorts coming out, she's pretty much like, hey, dickhead, there's nothing left on Mandalore because your asshole friend splintered it. Go home. But I think, you know, ultimately, we know Din, he's a good... Eagle Scout. He's been given a mission. He's going to fucking complete it, whether anyone is going to help him or not. But I think ultimately she's going to have intrigue. She still wants that dark saber. So I, I think it's going to a good part of the story could be Bo and Din going to try and redeem Din with the secondary intentions of of just learning more about the fall of Mandalore and how to bring it back. This, that, and the other thing, but. Um, I, I don't think Bo and Din are going to be best of friends, but I do think they're ultimately going to be stuck together, kind of working through this uh, rediscovery of Mandalore and, and the lore behind the Darksaber. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last two here. We got to get some more light shed on the cloning stuff from season one and season two. And, and I think it's coming. We saw Pershing in the trailer. Uh, I believe a lot of the Empire stuff is going to be delivered to us through Captain Carson Tiva, also shown in the trailer. Um, but yeah, we we that's still a main part of this series that a lot of us tend to forget about because of the, the rescue and then the Book of Boba Fett detour. But this whole series technically started because the Empire wanted Grogu to use his blood to, to clone stuff, to experiment yeah. with, with force juice. So I, I think we need to get back there, and if anything, just like we've had in season one and two, we need an, an episode almost focused on it. Maybe not the main narrative, but just like in season two where they go attack that installation on Navarro, it's all to do a mission for grief, but you learn you know, secondarily that, oh shit, this is, this is why they wanted Grogu. We got to go get Grogu and keep him safe and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I think that what's also important about this is like... The, the cloning storyline here is the first step to giving us content, explaining and, and building towards the sequel trilogy. Um, hey, Nick, and not to cut you off, but it could also be building off of what we're probably going to get through the Bad Batch with, you know, Mount Tantus and... Yeah, and yeah. Uh, what's her name? Not Tanwi, not Lama Su, uh, Nala Say. Yeah, the, the Empire essentially conscripting her for her cloning ability. So you're 100% correct. Like, there is, 
There is a reason beyond selling Grogu toys for the Mandalorian, and as much as people don't want to admit it, it's to start building towards the rise of the First Order, Snow clones, somehow Palpatine return. Yeah, so I think that the the Bad Batch is going to address some things. The Mandalorian, I think that Mandalorian... Uh, and like towards the end of season three, season four is going to start to dig into that a little bit more as well. But like, this is kind of what we've all been waiting for. We all know that the sequel trilogy ended in a very disappointing fashion for a lot of us, at least in terms of the story that was told. So I think that now is when they're going to start, like is when Favreau and Filoni are going to start kind of working their storytelling magic to start to, you know, I don't want to say right some wrongs, but like, fill in context, much needed context as to like how we got here. Why did we get here? And, and, and not only that, but like, what is this like super long game plan? How did this long game plan that the emperor had play out over these, you know, essentially the 30 fucking years that we have after empire strikes back to the start of uh, the sequel trilogy. You have 30 years to cover. How do you start yeah, like, it off? What, what are they doing this yeah. early on? You know, it, is it just purely for Palpatine or are they trying, as we speculated years back, season one, it, are, are, are they working on super soldiers? Are, are they trying yeah, to figure out a way to like squirt force into people? Is Moff Gideon going to try to inject himself with force to become more of a Mandalorian? Like, I, I still have a feeling that Gideon is he's like an imposter. He, he always has wanted to be a Mandalorian or a Jedi, and he's wreaked havoc throughout the galaxy to achieve those goals. we got to remember, he was ISB on Mandalore during the, the uh, Night of a Thousand Tears or whatever. So, I mean, he was directly responsible for wasting these motherfuckers. Yeah, Why? Because yeah, like he, so. he knew how powerful they are. So what, what's he trying to do with this shit? Is it just Gideon or does Thrawn has his hooks in this plan? Or is it Gideon and these other moths? Like they, we've, we kind of skirted all that to deal with the lion and cub adventure, but that's been resolved. Grogu's back by choice now. So in season three, we don't have to deal with any more bullshit. Like, Oh, we got to find his kind. No, we have a singular focus mission for Din. He needs to restore his honor, but along the way, I think a lot of stuff is going to be exposed. So, um, but, but what is it? What are are they doing so early on with this cloning? Like what, like what is, cause we're like Nick said, we're still probably 30 years before the force awakens in the Mandoverse, 30 years still to go. So clearly they, they never even fucking perfected the cloning even for Snoke. I mean, look how jacked he was. He was able to, you know, Palpatine was able to channel his force abilities through that puppet, essentially. But look how fucking disfigured and broken Snoke was. I mean, he was like all twisted and hunched over. His his head looked like it was ripping in half. So even even by the time they got a working Snoke model, they, they hadn't perfected the process. So what are they doing yeah. now? Are they testing it on Mandalorians themselves? I mean, who knows? Maybe that's what Gideon's been doing capturing these Mando cells and experimenting on them with the force. I mean, imagine a force infused Mandalorian. There's only really been one tar. What if Grogu's the next? I mean, I do think they're going down that path of Grogu becoming the next hybrid. Mark my words. He's already turned down the, the full Jedi path, but the dude's got the force. He's got training from a Jedi master and he's got himself some Beskar. 
Homeboy is becoming a Mandalorian. All right. Yeah, we'll see how <sighs> all that right. all progresses. End and result, then, what have you guys saying? Yeah, yeah. Ke- Kevin's making up good points. Like, listen, the sequel trilogy is going to be what it's going to be. Hopefully, we get a, a 10, 11, 12 to try to make up the sins of those. But it is a shame. We've talked about it many times on the show. We ain't got time. Last point here, like Nick's going to say, Grogu's Rescuer. I think it would be nice to... Let's quit fucking around with that. Like, how many more seasons are we going to do mini flashbacks of him in the Jedi Temple? Let's just... Let's pull that fucking Band-Aid off, be it Mace Windu, be it Christopher Lloyd's character. Who cares? I want to see the door open. I want to see it not be Anakin. I want to see his Rescuer come through, and let's just get that done. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, you're, at this point, you're getting too far away from... The like people are starting to forget that like he was rescued from the temple. So that's what really I mean. Like it's just adjust, let's like, just end it. It's, it's good. Yeah, it, it was great. It. I love the tie to the prequels. I love the tie to Order sixty six. I love it. But how much more can you really extend that now? Like it, it's I'm kind of the same way Nick is with Grogu's communication skills. Like let's let's get get over it. Like quit tickling our taints. We just we want to resolve it. And move on. Because you know once they resolve that, you can build newer stories off of it. Like who was the person? Where'd the person go? Why did he end up with what looked like a bunch of, like a Nikto gang? You know, how how do you get rescued? And then uh, 20 plus years later, almost 30 years later, you're chilling with a Nikto gang. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to move on. All right, there you go. So that's what we're looking for. That's what we hope to see in Mandalorian Season 3. Obviously, we're probably not going to get all of it, but we will get other things too. So it'll be a surprise. Cannot wait. Next Wednesday. Okay, sticking with the Mandalorian, this will be a, a fairly quick one here, but um, our guy over at MakingStarWars.net, Jason Ward, dropped an exclusive. Um, uh, according to him, and this is going to interest us all, and probably not for the reasons you think, But his sources have told him that on these Lucasfilm lots down there in Southern California, where they shoot most of these Disney Plus shows outside of Andor, that his sources are telling him, they're like, listen, these people are either working on a second season of the book of Boba Fett, or Boba Fett is going to have a large part in Mandalorian season four. Because already in pre-production, these people working these sets are starting to see a ton of Boba Fett specific stuff showing up. Uh, one of the things being like the, the cockpit of the slave one, uh, Moff Gideon's new armor that apparently we're going to see They're They're reworking it again for potentially Mando season four. So, so really what he's saying here is like they they may be shooting Mando season four by this October. And we yeah. do know Favreau just came out last week and said, yeah, season four is in the can. Like it's, it's written. So that that's established. So why this matters? Well, why like because you know Nick and I we're usually like oh cool a story about shooting schedule. Who fucking cares? I agree. A lot of people do care, but the the important piece of information in this post from making Star Wars is not so much the idea that they they could be working on Book of Boba Fett season two or Boba Fett just plays a big role in season four of Mando. Uh, th- there could be it could be a whole other Star Wars production. This could be the beginnings of the of the crossover type of stuff that they're starting to yeah. prep for. But here here's yeah. the caveat. Here's why we need to care. 
the reason that some of this pre-production may be getting kicked into gear at this point in time, Nick, is because Hollywood is bracing for what could be the next Writers Guild strike. Um, you know, you were around with the last one when it happened in like 07, 08, and you saw kind of what it did to some TV. It, it derailed oh, yeah. shows like Lost, Heroes. I mean, it Heroes. it yeah. affected a lot of cool shit. And yeah, I'm not going to sit here and rail on the writers for striking. They they need to because they're getting fucked, and that's why they're probably going to strike here. Um, I'm a, I'm a I have unique opinions on unions. I, I worked in Detroit, Michigan for five years in corporate America, and those are some unions that probably aren't good for society. But there are unions that are good. Yeah, either either I mean, way, their contract, Nick, comes up May one. And Uh-oh. <laughs> if you if you hear things like what Iger's saying, like we need to slash budgets and cut costs and this, that usually doesn't bode well for a, a contract year, a negotiation year. That usually means a lot of the extra stuff that the guild wants, which means money, may it probably isn't going to be acquiesced to right away, which means there's there's probably going to be a strike. And if the writers go on strike, everyone strikes. Everything stops. Directors won't work. Actors will like SAG falls in line. DGA falls in line. That's it. Like all, all creativity ceases to exist. So that's what making star Wars is, is kind of thinking here. And what he's been hearing is like Lucasfilm could just be hedging its bets and, and getting as much shit done as it can now before the strike in May. Cause the strike could last a few days. Uh, I think the one in 0708 lasted about three or four months. Uh, and if that happens, it's obviously going to push back all these shows and schedules, post-production on Acolyte, on uh, y- y- you name it. So yeah. just, just, be weir- just be wary of, of May 1 and what could happen. Uh, because if the writers do go on strike, a lot of the stuff in the pipeline is going to be affected. Or will it? Is this Lucasfilm planning for a strike trying to get some stuff done before all the talent leaves i mean what's interesting about the writer strike and i think where you know star wars may be a little less effective especially mandoverse um is they don't really use writers like tv like like network tv shows use writers like they network tv shows will have a a a room full of writers that write essentially you know you know an entire season of tv between themselves they'll 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 sit there and they'll write it especially for like longer tail seasons or seasons that like that 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 like film live thing about mandoverse specifically is that like most of these episodes are written by john favreau like and john favreau is not just a writer john favreau is the everything like he is He's the writer. He's the pro- executive producer. He's the creator. He's the everything. So in situations like that, where your writer is not just a writer, you're probably not going to be affected. And like the, the only way that I could see this really coming down and, and affecting the production of Star Wars stuff is if you're leaning on like 
union writers for well, yeah, I, I stuff that say, we just don't know about. Jason is, is calling them. It, it seems it's the journeyman writers are the ones that are feeling the pinch the most. Yeah. Um, yeah. So apparently these journeyman writers, they can't even make a, a living wage due to mergers and tricky accounting. Uh, they, they essentially... The, the business types, they figured out a way with these journeymen to be like, oh, yeah, well, because of well, this, that and the other thing, we don't we don't owe you anymore. You, you, well, you yeah, gave us I all mean, those rewrites. Now we don't have to pay you. <laughs> well, one of the big things is that a lot of the writing is now being done by the directors or there be or like writers are being handpicked by specific people. Chris Terrio and and John and JJ uh, Abrams, for example, that's a writer director duo. Ryan Johnson and uh, what, what was his guy's name? Fucking something I can't remember. Like he has a writing partner. Um, you know, Favreau and Filoni, uh, they're writing all their own shit. Like when when Rick Famuyiwa comes in to direct, he also writes the episode. So like these writers and like these you know, writing room writers have less work to do now because there's so much focus has been given right. to and so much uh, power has been given to the creators, a.k.a. the director-writer combos, that you don't really need writing rooms anymore. No, you're right. People and that, are that's, writing their own shit. That's kind of what, what Jason has in this article. It's like just the whole streaming thing has upended what right the 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 way writers used to be able to make a living like it's just it, it's gone yeah. away and there, there's there's less network tv which when you know as nick opened this topic on old network tv there'd be a writer's room you'd sit there and you'd write episode one two three four five and six you'd film them and then throughout the season you'd write the rest of the episodes film them so on and so forth these days with streaming right we we demand cinema quality products so you're you're not gonna have like sitcom writers there or, or or people working on you know the situational shows or multi camera shows. They're being asked to essentially do what what a screenwriter would do. Hey, we like that. Exactly. Well, revise it. Give me another revision. Another revision. Another revision. So they're just and and they've gotten as most people do, creatives in particular, those that control the 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 cash. They can figure out ways to fuck you over and to make more cash and. And that's what's happened. And it, it doesn't matter that, that John writes Mando. Uh, like we said, if WGA goes, all of Hollywood goes. So Star Wars will, will stall out. Pixar, Marvel, DC, James Gunn, all that shit stops. So yeah, let's hope it doesn't happen because Bat brought up a good point. <laughs> the last strike is, is kind of what brought on the onslaught of nonstop reality programming. And he's correct. Because it was, it was like 06, 07, or maybe 07, 08. And before then, you didn't necessarily have this family's famous do a show. This family's famous do a show. You had your competition reality and maybe the Osbournes, but it wasn't, you know, this these everything, dickheads, the Kardashian dickheads, the these motherfuckers, these these cocksuckers. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I get, we'll, we'll probably be watching a lot of foreign stuff if, if this goes through because <laughs> those streamers, as Nick was saying, they're, they're going to have to find content from somewhere. So we're, we're, we're probably going to be watching a lot, of, a lot of shit from the Eastern Bloc come, come this summer. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how, if, if that really does, if that, if, if, if like this writer strike will affect Star Wars moving forward. I mean, it may, like you said, it may just be a solidarity thing, you know, mm -hmm. like where even though Star Wars itself may not be as affected 
by oh it doesn't um, dude it doesn't matter man once once one guild goes they they're all gonna they're all gonna strike yeah. it, it just it's that's how it works so we'll we'll, we'll see but y- you know uh those not thinking boba fett was ever gonna get more time in the sun you're you're incorrect because i i yeah, I, mean, I would uh, not be surprised if he gets a second season i mean why not oh yeah 100 percent. and, and I, i'll say this too um it it would greatly surprise me if one like he didn't get a season two and two if they weren't working on both of these at the same time because that's kind of what happened with with boba fett season one is like yeah they were filming mando season two but they were also filming some stuff for for boba fett season one at the same time oh yeah well, so, I mean, just just last year, Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew were running production at the same time, same yeah, set, everything. So, yeah, all right. So, well, I mean, it's, we it, that's probably what's happening. Let's be honest. I just, I just like that together. season four is in the bag, at least in terms of the words, and that yeah. it may start shooting this October. If it starts shooting this October, that means we're going to get it next October. Seems about they need about a year these days when they didn't need as much time before. But, you know, COVID pipelines, this, that, and the other thing. Okay. I'm going to pick up the pace here a little bit as we make our way towards the fan segment. But uh, Daily Mail, they, they spotted uh, our, our friends over on the Andor production again. And, and this time we can see Diego Luna as Cassian. And we got um, uh, Adria or Jonah as, or, or Jonah, however you say that, as... Uh, yes. Yeah, Bix. Bix Kayleen. And, you know, we, we can't really infer much from the images. Uh, that redheaded guy, I mean, that, that's like the epitome of a evil British. redhead, yeah. right? Like, that, that's yeah, why like I think some British people are, are, are scared of redheads, because that, that's like spot-on scary redhead. But you, you can kind of get a look and feel for how they're dressing people. This is all, again, taking place in, uh, I think it's called, like, Barbican Estates or something like that somewhere around London. It's where the uh, scenes we were talking about last week where, you know, Clea and Val were meeting up. It's kind of that same location. But as we're looking at these pictures, uh, we got some insights from Bespin Bulletin. Apparently they had someone there that kind of was trying to figure out what what, what exactly were they filming, in particular uh, Cassian and Bix. And according to the man on the street, let me get back to Cassian Bix on the live stream here. So if you can see it, Cassian's wearing that jacket we saw him and Luthen with last week. And it does seem like they're trying to be secretive. Bix has these two big bags over her shoulder. But according to Bestman Bulletin, when the scene was filmed, uh, Cassian and Bix, they're having a tense conversation as they're walking towards something called like Samo's Deli, like a location. And at one point, Cassian stops her like, hold on you know something's coming or we got to be careful and apparently he roots through these bags that you can see in this leaked image and he's rooting yeah. through these bags rooting through these bags looking for something that you know i don't know is it going to get in, in trouble is it something they need for the meeting they're going to but he he ends rooting through it looks back at bix and then apparently they keep walking so it does sound like these two are on some sort of mission probably on coruscant if they're using this same location and it, it, Nick, to me, it, the way it was described, it sounds like they're going to meet a contact and they could potentially be either bringing wares for the contact or maybe it's, it's something they're smuggling into a place. But it seems Cassian and Bix will be on a mission in a populated part of the galaxy, in my prediction, it being Coruscant, and they're delivering something to somebody. 
maybe to kill him, yeah. maybe to get some money. Who knows? But it seems like things get a bit contentious between the two as they go to their their meetup. I mean, I gotta imagine that there is some. Uh, there's no love lost between Bix and Cassian at this point, almost to the point to where Bix is like, "Look, I'm only with you because I have to be with you. Because if I'm not with you, I'm gonna get killed." It's like, oh well, um, you did. You did come and save me, I guess. So, ev- yeah. Eventually, like <laughs> after she eventually. had her brain liquefied by dying yeah. baby alien screams. Yeah, like, like literally, <laughs> this girl was being tortured for like months and weeks and like yeah granted like there wasn't a whole lot that he could do because he was in prison for some of it but like it was purely because of him that this was happening to her so i gotta imagine that the animosity that she feels towards towards like cassian is as at an all-time high um so she probably does not have a lot of patience for his bullshit so i would imagine that anytime something even remotely um, like, uh, like even remotely contentious pops up, she just blows up on him yeah. or like has to really stop herself from just going off. Yeah, on do you, dude. um, th- do you see these two ever rekindling the clear? I mean, obviously they, they had a tryst a few times or, yeah. or do you see them more settling into like brother sister type of bond? I would be surprised if it was even brother sister at this point. It's like. <laughs> To me, she has no like, love lost. Like she, she's not forgiving him for anything. No, no. At this point, like like, why like would it. she? Yeah. It's like, okay, like you eventually came back. And then when you came back, all fucking hell broke loose. So many of my friends were killed. So many people that you cared about were killed. Stupid you Tim with two M's gets shot. Yeah. Tim with two M's dead on the stairs. And not only that, like you have now forced them out of their only home. Yeah. Like, like Bix, I don't know how long Bix was on Ferrix. I don't know if she was, if that's where she was born and raised or, or what the situation was, but like, yeah, I'd, I'd she, say she was she pretty lived, in, in, enmeshed in that society. Yeah. And now she has to leave. And not only does she have to leave, but she can't go back because Ferrix is now probably has so much imperial security around it that that there's no way that you could ever go back to it. So not only has he destroyed her interpersonal relationships with Tim with two M's and everybody around her, (laughs) he's destroyed her home. So like, why would she be friendly to this dude? Yeah. I, 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 you make valid points. I guess my only counter argument and I obviously, I mean, in the end, this really has nothing to do with how the relationship plays out, but I just, I just figure since she was already working with the rebels, I mean, she was working with Luthen even before she got Cassian mixed up with him, that she just, it's kind of in her nature to rebel. So I, I, I look at it as she may be embracing her new life, even though she's oh, lost mean, everything because of Cassian. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think that like the transition. She's making into, the most like, of it, Nick. She's she's not glass yeah. half empty like me. Yeah, I, I I'll say like I I think that her transition <laughs> into like openly working for the rebellion will go smoothly. Oh yeah, like, I mean she, she, like she's said, right she's with been it. doing that. She's already. Doing I think it. that her relationship with with Cassian, especially in the early times, I see, I see. uh, is gonna be like look. <laughs> I only have to be around you. Like I'm only around you because I have to be right. Yeah. And you know, if they move past that, it will, it will come later in the season where it's like, she finally kind of like comes around to like more of a friendly position around him. But I, I don't 
it would be weird to me if their like love angle was to resurface. Well, hey, maybe like maybe that. she uh, <laughs> just to kind of stick it to him. Maybe she's already hooked up with the big guy. What's his, I forget his name. His his other buddy. Oh, he like saved B two and and more or less kicked off the fight oh, by yeah, beating the guy yeah, in the head with a, I, I one of Marva's bricks. Yeah. I'm 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 yeah, I'm ashamed remember. that I forget his name, but yeah, maybe maybe she purposely just starts like noodling this guy and, and hooking up with him in front of Cassian and looking Maybe. at him like See, I, I will say you like, like people this? that usually go through like torture <laughs> like that don't really hop back into yeah, the Yeah she's really she's quickly. probably not she's looking to get laid anytime soon, right? Yeah, she, no, probably, she she has a lot of like stuff. Gotta to find work her special through. place again. <laughs> yeah. So like she just needs to find All right. like mental stability. I mean she's probably like she's probably emotionally scarred right. deeply from that. And yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how her character is in season two like what if it just, just what if we get life? reintroduced to bix and she's like in the in the middle of some self-play and she's just like oh and we're like oh I well that that she's back <laughs> she's back she's fucking okay. fixed okay <laughs> moving on i gotta get out of here i'm my head's in the toilet today i don't know why uh, th- this is a quick one, and it more than likely could be incorrect, but our lovely friend Rosario Dawson was on the Today Show recently, and she was talking about the the Haunted Mansion thing she's doing for Disney, and she mentioned like, oh yeah, Soak, I'm pretty sure it's coming out this fall. And I was like, oh no, is it? Because uh, I've kind of had Ahsoka pegged as the, like, Kenobi, like, the summer show, a little end of May, June, July action. Uh, but Rosario's saying could be in the fall, which could be end of September, October. And then the internet reminded me, well, if you think about it, the way the shows are working now, they, they it pretty much takes uh, close to eight months to a year to get them out. So if Ahsoka just ended filming in October of 2022... Then yeah, we could we could make that 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 through line that'll come out in October twenty three. Now obviously the actors never truly know the real release date before it's announced. We we've had this many times in the past. Uh, you know, Jean Carla's like, oh yeah, Mandalorian season three next summer. Fuck it, you know that stuff like that. So who really knows? I I just wonder, Nick, if it is the fall, we'll be looking at mostly a star Wars free summer on Disney plus, t- which means it would just be the MCU shows, which I think is Loki and I don't know, secret wars potentially to, to cover yeah. the summer. So do you think she's, she's on the something? Cause she, she kind of said it had to do with Haunted Mansion. Oh, we're going to do Haunted Mansion first. And then I think Ahsoka's this fall. That's kind of how she was talking about it. Yeah. So here's like, what I'll say about that is, if if it ends the way that we expect it to, where they do kind of tease, tease Ron, like I mentioned earlier, into Ahsoka, then it would make sense to just go back to back with these two things. Don't give it, like, you know, don't give it months. Don't give it any time to, like, rest. Like, just give the people the direct continuation of what you teased at the end of Mando 4 and go right into Ahsoka. I mean, that would make sense. Um, but that would put it, put us in a position to where we would have well, no Star Wars. We're, we're also supposedly supposed to get skeleton crew this year. And we get, uh, what, what is it? Uh, visions, visions and right? visions and young Jedi adventures that, that they're, they're set for May the 4th. Like they're coming out yeah. and, and for, well, I know visions, the, the whole anthology is at least going to be released. I don't know if Jedi adventures, if yeah, they're going to get into 
one-offs. But we, we know that stuff's coming May 4, but that, that's a, that's a one-day deal. Those are shorts. It's yeah. not a full show. So Mandalorian Season 3, uh, according to my calculations, we're going to get five episodes through March, which means by mid-April it's done, unless they, they've changed the episodic formula to nine or seven uh, but but Mando season three should be done mid. I'm sorry, I think I said mid March, mid April. Uh, so yeah. if that's the case, we're looking at the last two weeks of April, all of May, all of June, all of July, all of August, all of September. Six months before they drop the next show, I I think she might be confused. I I really am still sticking with Ahsoka is going to be the summer show, and and I think at this point it's wishful thinking. Because uh, how how much crosstalk are they going to do with those big Marvel shows? I mean, Loki is one of their bigger ones. It is one of their better ones. And then uh, with the Nick Cage one, I think is the uh, Secret Wars or or whatnot. So that that's a big one too. It's just do I don't know. You remember you and I? We used to have these guardrails. Oh, you can't do Marvel and Star Wars. You can't do Star Wars and Star Wars. Well, they f- they fucked all that now. They're doing Star Wars, Star Star Wars. They've done Marvel, 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 Star Wars. So yeah, I, I mean, our our thought process for release cadence for things was basically like the way that we thought of it was like, okay, well, you do a release cadence in a way where. You always have something every month, so you never have a month where you're just That would be the, the smart move, right? So, so hey, yeah. we end, we end uh, Mando Season 3 in April. By May, we should at least have a Marvel series or a Star Wars series, correct? Like, that, that's how we, so. we want it to go. Or that's yeah, how, yeah. That's how I mean, the smart money would, would well, play. Well, also, like, that's, that's how you ensure uh, subscribers don't yes. leave. Like, yes, yes. If you if you do if you do something where it's like, well, we don't have a Star Wars show for three and a half months, guess what? You're gonna lose subscribers for three and a half months. That's just how it is. And that's what that's why I said it would have been more prudent, like figure out your budget is the first issue for Disney. It's like you're 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 D- Disney's problem is not with the amount of content that they make. It's how much they spend on the content that they make. Like get your budget in line and in a way where you can do things a, a little bit less expensive, but at the same quality. And then you tighten your release schedule to where you don't have, you don't give people a reason to leave for uh, three months at a time. Like that's, that's what they need to work on is like budgeting their shows properly and uh, releasing their shows in a cadence that doesn't put them <clears> in a position to where they don't have anything available for, for their subscribers to watch. Um, I mean, we'll see if that happens. I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to end up happening is content cuts. Like they're going to get to a place to where they just don't produce as much content, Yeah, which is in no way going to help them fix their no, problem and, and with Disney Plus being less profitable. So far, it sounds like Marvel is the is the target for that. I don't think Bob yeah, was Mar- Marvel. Bob, I don't think Bob was a big fan with last year's Marvel slate and the and the shows that got out there oh, no. and how many Marvel I mean, shows sure got he, out there. I'm sure he was like on the sidelines, like seeing the disaster of Phase Four play out and being like, "What the fuck are we doing?" Like, we had a direction all of phases one through three, and now we seem completely directionless in Phase yeah. Four. Uh, I, I don't. I so just like if if, if they're really gonna try to get skeleton crew in. And Ahsoka, I, I have it. I find it hard to believe that Ahsoka would be starting as late as the fall, 
I mean, if anything, maybe like the Andor timeline, end of August, beginning of September, I could see that. And then Skeleton Crew could kind of follow the Book of Boba Fett uh, pedagogy, or that's not the right word for that, but you, you understand what I'm talking about, to where it releases in 23, but most of the season is in 2024. Mm. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm still going to hold on to Ahsoka is going to come over this summer. I, it just seems to make the most sense. But clearly, I don't make a lot of that, so you can't really trust what I'm saying right now. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> we've been talking about Iger and his plans, and he you know, hates this and that, and wants more Star Wars, less Marvel. Uh, but I, Nick, I really think he wants more Star, War, Star Wars in movie theaters. I, I don't think Makes he's sense. talking about Disney+. Plus. He, he wants to get motherfuckers back in theaters. And according to a new THR report, <clears throat> not that I think this is groundbreaking or something that we couldn't have just made up ourselves, but according to THR, they are saying that at Star Wars Celebration 2023, coming up here in April, over in London, that fans, for the first time in over three years, are going to be given concrete information about the Star Wars movie universe roadmap. About time. Okay. Like, like I said, I, I, it's like when I saw this and everyone's like, oh my God, you see this? It's like, well, yeah. Uh, what else would they do at Celebration? I mean, that, that's what Celebration is for. It's to announce shit and celebrate Star Wars. So, uh, and, and, you know, you and I talked about what, what are they going to do at this year's Celebration? There's, there's no movies. There's no Kenobi to kind of... Uh, start beating the drums for what's it going to be about and it just makes sense that this is a great celebration to get back to business and by by that i mean getting back to star wars's roots movies okay let's let's see is it going to be the damon thing is it are we going to get back to tyka's thing they really need to even if this is bullshit hopefully they're listening to us i know they do you need to do something about the movies at Celebration. And not, yeah. not rah-rah bullshit, PowerPoint slides, roadmaps. You need to come out and either apologize for how fucked up your plans have been and, and, the, and the chaos you've turned the Star Wars movie universe into in terms of planning and what's real or what's not real. And you need to come out and be like, listen, the Ryan stuff, it's dead or this is what it is. The Tyka stuff, it's dead or this is what it is. Rogue Squadron's dead or this is what it is. Damon Lindelhoff... Who the fuck are you guys talking about? That's pure rumor. We, they need to start fucking drawing lines in the sand so fans can believe in them a bit. Because yeah. I don't know about you, Nick. I, I sit here and drink Star Wars Kool-Aid all day through a fucking fire hydrant sometimes. I'm like, yes, Star Wars. I love you, Star Wars. But they've, they've lost, on the movie side specifically... A lot of credibility over the past three or four years with all these big events and we're going to do this and this and you get a movie, you get a movie, you get a trilogy. And then it, it, it turns into nothing or you hear like they leave or there's disagreements, there's narrative problems. It's it just it's turned into a dumpster fire. So now is a great time to reset this and just come out and tell us the fucking truth. OK, quit getting us excited for shits and giggles and really, truly lay down concrete in the stone on the fucking schedule we spent the money movies let's go 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, from the last that that we've heard, and I like, I think the last that that most people have heard rumors were that the Lindelof movie is going to be the one that they push. Um, All right. They're they're letting Taika have his time to to write and do what he wants to do. Um, it doesn't seem like he's trying to like push to be first to theaters either. Um, as far as I can tell, Patty Jenkins's uh, Rogue Squadron is dead, and they're probably not going to revisit that. Um, no, you're you're not and, wrong because in that THR report, they only they only talked with it sounded like at least authority about Damon and Taika. They were like, "Yeah, we yeah. have no Rogue Squadron is definitely in limbo." Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. It seemed like, it seems like, and I don't want to sound like an asshole, but it seems like Patty Jenkins really got lucky with Wonder Woman 1. Well, I mean, it, I know that Patty had done stuff before. Well, I mean, check this she, out. I, I we, we all forget that Zack Snyder's team wrote and crafted wrote that, that world. Yeah. Yeah. Where, she, where I think I mean, she was allowed that. to play herself in, in 84 in, in Rogue Squadron. Yeah. So, unfortunately you know, that all kind of seems like it was a sham, you know, like that, you know, like she did a great job directing that, but like story wise, she wasn't really that involved. Yeah. Um, and if you look at, I mean, really, if you look at her resume leading up to wonder woman, there was no, there was nothing in there that like gave you the idea that like she could, you know, I guess your one was monster. She wrote that movie monster in 2003. It was okay. It was, it was well received, but that was so long ago. That was the one with Charlize Theron and Christina Ricci. But other than that, like she did what some TV, she did one episode yeah, I, of the rest of development. Getting back to having like, writers and directors. I, I don't know why everyone's got to yeah. do everything now. Like, l- let's just get back yeah. to letting the expert writer write and letting the fucking expert director direct. Like, yeah. You know so what I mean? I, it it I does feel like everyone done. has to do everything now. Like everyone's just ultimate narcissist. Like, no, I got to write yeah. it and direct well, it think, and act in it. Yeah. I mean, I think that that came about with like that, that came about because of streaming, you know, like streamers were giving these people the opportunity to say like, Hey, Abrams, do you like write and direct? You can do that. Write and direct. Everybody can write and direct now. And I think that for her, she suffered in the writing part more than she did in the directing part. So um, if we don't, if we don't get some sort of definitive thing, then it's, then it's almost like, are we ever going to get back to it? Because if you think about it, it was, it was under Iger that the entire sequel trilogy was released. And it was under Iger that it, that the, the wheels were spinning uh, on the on the Star oh, yeah. Wars I mean, story it, side of he's stuff. He's the one that that ultimately canceled the the a Star Wars story runs after Solo. Yeah. yeah. And then once Chappic came in, movies completely fell to the wayside. It was they weren't even thought of. It it was such a a side conversation and in Chappic really what Chappic's legacy will be is price increases. Price increases to to try <laughs> to park. basically yeah, to to like make the park a more premium experience by increasing prices and then focus heavily, heavily on Disney Plus. And both of those fucking bombed out. Like they, they worked terribly. Um, so it will be interesting to see like what over the next three years, how things shift from the side of Iger. If they if they really do like say, hey, 
we're putting way less focus on this Disney Plus shit and we're going back towards theaters and we just eat the L's that we take on Disney Plus. Um, and hopeful and then just really hope that what they put out in theaters explodes because if, if, if the movies that they put out in theaters do like, you know, regardless of what you thought about the, the storyline quality of the sequels, it was a financial success. Every movie made over a billion dollars, all of them. So like from Disney's perspective, they heard the cries of pain from the, the fans that were out there saying like, Hey, this is bad quality. We don't like the way the story direction went, whatever. But like on their balance sheet, they saw 2 billion, 1.5 billion, 1.2 billion. And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, it's crazy though. Like wins. you make a good point, but to them that was con- consecutive losses. So to them, even though they're making billions, they're like, well, we're losing billions too. You know what yeah, I mean? So like they're I'm like, not- well, because usually with a franchise, your first movie should be your 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 least profitable because you're kicking things off. It should only yeah, get yeah, better, I mean, but it got worse. So that's where they're like, oh shit, we we fucked up. And hey, capitalism that's that's one thing that you can say the market usually will dictate yeah. a product success. All right, you know, for the sake of keeping things moving, buddy, let, let's just get into the fan segment here. I can already see we're we're getting up a, a, against our clock here. So we do the fan segment every week. We have two ways to get involved. Question of the week, Tuesday mornings, at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram. Check the stories. Check the profile. If the algo lets you, leave a comment. Uh, so let's go ahead and get right into the question of the week this week, Nick. And as always, when we're in season Star Wars, it's just going to ask you, do, do you like this or do you not? So this week's question is, <coughs> what was your favorite or least favorite part from Bad Batch Episode 9, the one with a focus on Tech and Omega. Up first from the stories, this is South P24. Unfortunately, it's all a bit boring. The Omega stuff was like a child whining with their parents split up. I do appreciate the quality of the animation. How could a group of highly trained clones allow their ship to be stolen? So... That is one thing that I thought was a little weird. It's like right now we literally have car alarms. Like you can lock your car remotely. Yeah, all, there's an all alarm I can say is they, they, they left Wrecker to watch it. So that's on them. Yeah, you know what I mean? That, like like Wrecker, he, he probably saw like an ant on the ground and was just staring at it for 30 minutes straight. <laughs> uh, but I, I like the Omega stuff was like a child whining when their parents split up. Like, <laughs> I hey, mean, that's fuck literally you, kid. What it, your parents are divorced. Get it over was. it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that is very hard for a child to deal with. Yeah, but I like that, it. I mean that he is right. That's kind of what the story was. Of this I, I'm guessing Paul's in in my generation where you, our, our parents or their parents would have been like, "Hey, suck it up, get over <laughs> it." <laughs> All right, next oh, one, Ripic Tan. Another great episode. I get that folks get bummed over episodes like this, but fuck that. It's storytelling. It's storytelling in a TV show, episode to episode. That's how this shit works, people. Favorite part was Tech jumping in after Omega. Well said. Thank you, Rippick. Well said. All right, Nick, uh, now, next now into the comments. There you go. Indeed. We have Kind 71 says, It was good because you never see Omega and Tech really interact. She has the daughter-father with Hunter and the big bro little sis with Wrecker, but with Tech, you never really see them interact a lot. Uh, now you got to see that. Plus you kind of got to see a little more into tech's mindset 
Because he's one you really never, you never really see emotions from, and now we know why. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's kind of the central crux of the whole thing. It's just like peering a little bit deeper into tech, uh, getting a little bit more of his mindset. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like, what I hope doesn't happen is that like we have this these two episode arcs, and then like. It just goes back to the exact same it was before. I, I, where like, I think I think growth has been achieved, Nick, but I guess yeah. we'll find out tomorrow in yeah, episode we'll eleven. We will see. We will see. Holy Next shit. Up, yeah, I gave this one to Spencer because we haven't had one from Spencer in a while. But I was like, you know what? I I'll I'll, I'll give right. Spencer his Have time. Have at it, say. pal. This, <laughs> this is an opus right here. Uh, Nick's about to go into a monologue. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, so this is from Baron's Black Series. Uh, for those of you in the community, you know who Baron's Spa, Black Spa Series Spencer. is. Boss Boss Spencer, indeed. Uh, he says, I really like the Omega Tech talk at the end for many reasons. First, despite it being visually a very dark episode, the animation looked really good. I especially liked where Tech and Omega are having their big talk at the end. The lighting in the scene was really good, and animations on Omega's face were smooth and expressive. Hey, so speaking a little right. bit about the actual animation and not just like the story. Uh, he says, in second, I think they did a very good job of showing things from Tech's perspective and Omega putting herself in his shoes in order to understand this better. guy getting deep as fuck. <laughs> just because he doesn't understand, just because he doesn't outwardly show his pain or discomfort with the changes in his life like Omega does, it doesn't mean he doesn't feel those things. He's just he just processes and displays them differently. It was nice for Omega to see and, and understand that Tech has always seemed to fit into the character who is on the autism spectrum category so so spencer bringing this up as well uh to me and i think they did a very good job of showing that this week in a way that he perceives and processes the world um i'm gonna golf clap that one i'm gonna golf clap that out for spa spa spencer very very well said i i I appreciate that there i mean like of course this was an episode that was probably gonna get ragged on a lot but i do appreciate that a lot of people have taken yeah uh the the angle of like finally getting to explore tech's character and really like pulling that out from this episode and that nick that's kind of you know we kind of have a thing here we're not allowed to say filler and that that's kind of what i've met to me there there you can always find something of value in star wars and i think that's that's what spencer found right here so yeah kudos to him Um, and last one 2797 studios that's our friend bat in the chat he says i continue to enjoy the character building they're doing tech and omega advancing as characters feel like they're growing up right before our eyes but I'm also wary of the of the inevitability of where things have to eventually go. Yeah. Lots of uh, death. Yeah, I guess Bat. Yeah, I was saying. I guess Bat here is talking about a character death, potential character death that may be on the horizon. Um, do we do we lose a core batch member in season two? I'm gonna and Crosshair think would be do. included in that. I don't. I don't think we do. Okay. I don't. I think it's a little too early to off one of the members of the batch to this point and technically what about echo since they already removed them off the map that's what i was gonna say i mean technically we've already lost one i don't know what the plans are or like what the season holds for echo in terms of like is he going to be included in some episodes moving forward or not uh but i mean you could look at that as a loss already yeah um a, a death i feel like they would hold for a very plot significant time period okay and i'm gonna be honest with you plot significance 
for the remainder of season two is kind of murky to this point. Um, we don't really have like, what's it, what's the overarching line that's happening in season two at this point? We don't really have, I, I, I mean, the I, overarching I think line from a broad standpoint, Nick, it, it, the overarching is getting the batch from, we don't really Out from under Sid's right. No, fucking, not, not so much that, but we don't, we don't understand our role right now to we're going to fight the empire. I think that's the main, yeah, so, the main goal. Yeah. And like, to me, there isn't an, there isn't a plot narrative in there where it would be a great right. point in time to kill off a character. Um, yeah. I know, I know so like the lat one of the last two episodes, it looks like they probably are going to be at that mountain facility. So who knows what's going there? I- I'm kind of with you. I think if anyone dies and would earn it this early on, it would probably be crosshair, but yeah. it's like, why not? No, why not keep them for another few seasons? Okay. So that's question of the week, which then transitions us to the final, um, uh, whatever you want to say, insert words here, my brain's stopping. Mm-hmm. Our, our, the, the, the final aspect of the fan segment, geez, yeah. is the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. If you want to get involved in this, if you're on Instagram and you create Star Wars content of any kind, make sure to add tag at Star Wars Time Show and use hashtag Star Wars Time Show on those posts. I'll see them every day, especially if you do add tag. If I like it, I'll feature it. At the end of the week, Nick sits down, looks at all of them, and picks his five favorite. And that is what we have for you now. All right, Nick, so who is up first here? Indeed. I will say, before we even kick this off, I have to address Stormtrooper Barney. Um, he, he tagged me in a shot and at first I thought it was a shot by him. Oh shit. He actually wasn't. found the, the coveted at that Nick C. He, he like found we, we, we don't me, talk about that me. persona very often. Yeah. And, and he, <laughs> he, he hit me with a tag. I rarely ever look at my Instagram. Uh-oh. Um, but I did. Don't and he poke was like, the bear Barney. And he was like, this shot better be featured in a top five. And, and. Without really making the connection, I, I just saw it and I liked it because I was like, ah, lobbying. He's lobbying. <laughs> I ended up picking the shot that he that he. Oh, I love it. I like, love commented it. on for the top That's five. That's great. Anyway. Um, That's a risky move, Barney. That's a risky move a, going after young Nick move. on Instagram. You better watch out. You're actually going to get blocked. <laughs> <laughs> risky move. But uh, anyway, the top five this week kicks off with. You are six. banned. <laughs> yes, with with Stormtrooper Barney being banned from the show. <laughs> um, no, it starts off with six one six underscore photos with the sixes being spelled out as words in the one in the middle as the extra right. number. So S I X one S I X underscore photos, and it's just an awesome, clean looking shot here of potentially season three uh, Mando. We see uh, our friend Din Djarin whipping the the dark saber has kind of like a cape whipping in the wind off of his back, his uh, pistol also held in his hand with a giant, it almost looks like he used the dark saber to like cut a hole in the oh, wall yeah. behind him to like walk through it into this chamber that he's in. Um, but just a really awesome shot of Din whipping his dark saber uh, and clearly having learned to use it, cutting a hole through that wall. Yeah. I, I mean, as I, I, I'm a little, unfocused right now but I'll, I'll don't worry i'll keep <laughs> us on task I, i'm just looking at this shot and it, it, are you a 
Mandalorian that paints her armor type of guy or a pure Beskar type of guy in terms of, I, of um, looks. Like, I really think Din stands the fuck out with that just shiny s- silver Beskar versus getting I, I it love, all painted love, like, like the rest of them do. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I love the full natural Beskar look. I'm a natural Beskar yeah, kind of guy. Too. It just, I don't know. It, uh, it just really <laughs> stands out. Do you think we'll see any other like that? There's, I don't know of any other in, in any Star Wars I can remember that had a kit like him. No, right? Because even, even the armors, go- I mean, the armor's got that nice gold kind of smooth yeah, helmet, like but, that, but then she goes color. into like Viking shit. She's got like hair around her. She's got like that lion yeah. mane, and then it goes to red. Because no. even if you go back, I'm trying to think like. I, I guess mean, Django, like, I mean, Django's sort of there, but he still had the blue yeah. accents, you know? If you go all the way back to old right like tar like, like are we talking like captain vizsla himself maybe or no he was wearing was fucking talking, jedi robes right yeah no like vizsla wasn't it but there were characters in the original kotor games that were like literal it was like full beskar armor suits head to toe where there wasn't yeah. like you didn't even see gaps for like cloth you didn't see gaps anywhere it was just a full beskar suit of armor and I think that was the closest that you, cause you can okay. like get that armor and wear it yourself in the game. And I think that was probably the closest to being a full natural set All of right. Beskar armor that had no paint on it. Like I said, I, um, I don't want to take us too far in the left field. I just looking at one, uh, six, one, six here. I'm like, you know what? I really think Din has the best looking armor out there for Mandalorian. Yeah, I think he's pretty solid. All right. Moving on then. Hey, another Mandalorian in your next pick, huh? Yes, indeed. And this is the pick that that uh, Stormtrooper Barney called me out on. He was like, this better make top five. And it did. So this is from at chess pick 66. So it wasn't even one of Barney's shots. He was like, this oh, okay. one. Right. Feels, You're I unblocked, feel so, Barney. You're unblocked. Yeah. He was out there lobbying for another oh, I photographer, I which I, 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 that is a very nice What, what a true do. gentleman. Uh, but Chez, I mean, Chez has been around on the top five since we started the top five all those many years ago, and he's been a consistent staple ever since then. And it's, it's because of shots like this, it's the masterful, uh, use of natural lighting that Chez is known for. He lives in a place where he has this, just, just picture perfect, almost like Tatooine, you know, like every Star Wars planet, sand and sun. Uh, So so that's where Chez is is located at. And he gets these fantastic shots like this out of it. This is what we see here. He's the captain. He is the captain of the sunset shot. That's Chez picks. I mean, morning or Uh, night, he gets those sunsets and sunrises perfectly captured. Beautiful. And we have here, we have a beautifully weathered Bo-Katan in a in a soft goods cloak with the hood up, yeah. right at that kind of like the edge of that golden hour where you have the sun setting. Looks like it's coming behind a dune pretty soon. But just this beautiful natural light, little bit of atmosphere in there, just to have this like cloaks this, look good on Mandos too. It, it looks kind oh, of yeah. similar to how you would have saw Bo in the season seven of the Clone Wars when she was staking out Ahsoka on the Pike Planet yeah. with uh, Sabine's mom and and one of her other night owls. Yeah, but I mean, uh, just a fantastic setup as always from Chez. Uh, nothing more to say from me. Beautiful, beautiful stuff at uh, Chess Pick sixty six. Little crossover action in the next one, huh? Little crossover. I, I always love these crossover ones. This is from at Intergalactic underscore Raptor. Um, if you don't follow him, make sure you do because he's got the whole uh, like. It, 
incredible universe that he's built with his crossover shots. Oh yeah, Star e- Wars. E.T. Has showed up in Star e. Wars e. shot, and now we got some Xenos. E- yeah, so right now what we see here is Darth Maul, or just Maul, not Darth Maul, just Maul just ripping through some Xenomorphs with his two blades swinging about. Um, and it's just a fantastic shot because of the action that that intergalactic raptor was able to uh, get across in the shot, the posing, the maniacal look that yeah, Maul don't has on don't his you face. feel like unlike anyone else that's ever come across Xenomorphs, Maul is almost getting his rocks off fighting yeah, them. Maul's like, like, oh, yeah, like like this is this is challenge. something he would sign up to do. Like he wants yeah, to I mean, do like, this. It almost seems like he, him and Predators would get along really great because that's what Xenomorphs <laughs> were to Predators. They were, they were literally like, they yeah, would go prey. out, they would hunt Xenomorphs, they would come back and they'd be like, hey, I'm, a, I'm an adult right. now in society. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. And, now, and Maul is like, dude, I fucking love this shit. Like, he is in on it. Yes. Uh, and, and he doesn't, need, he doesn't need their fucking armor and their laser guns or their helmets. He's, he's got no shirt. He's essentially yep. wearing like a, a Star Wars kilt. And just out there slashing motherfuckers left and right. So uh, Ripley <laughs> would have loved to have had a ball on her side. Oh, 100%. 100%. So uh, just another fantastic crossover mashup shot here from Intergalactic Raptor. Make sure to go give him a follow on the IG. His stuff is always fun to see on the feed. Um, next up <laughs> this is, is at... This, this one's fantastic. This is at CGE Rock. And what you have here is actually a few shots. And what's most, I mean, like the, the impressive, like the level of impressive that this shot is, is just unbound. I mean, uh, so what we see here from CGE Rock on the first slide is, is, is Din kind of sitting down at a, or standing up at like a, like a, like a workshop table. Yeah. And I think what he's doing is he's almost building a a remote controlled 100%. version. Yeah, you nailed of, it. He, yeah, nailed it. He, he's building an RC N one Starfighter, like the one that yeah. Pally built for him, so him and exactly. Groku can fly it around in their downtime. Yeah, so he's got this little RC controlled N uh, one <laughs> Starfighter. You see Grogu there in his bassinet as all practical as too. If, if you can't see it, like yeah. everything Nick is talking about is a practical item in the shot. Like CG yeah. Rock built a a one six scale version of a model of a, a an N one starfighter. Like it's tiny yeah, I mean, at it, this it's, point. It's like a one. Yeah. Who, who knows? Scale. Yeah. Who knows what its scale is, but he has scaled a, a, a starfighter to make it toy size for a one six scale star Wars toy. Like yeah. talk about getting meta. <laughs> yeah. Getting real small there on the scales of things. But I mean, it's such a, like, and it's not just that he has tank commander helmets in the yeah, background. His old helmet, he like Camp from Tono his from his missions. You, Nick, those are like yeah. those are like his trophies from the missions we've seen him on. Yeah, his jet, his, his jetpacks there, the tank jet commander, pack. the Cam Tono, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's just so much detail. The level of detail that CGE Rock went into in this shot is just unparalleled for something that we've seen in a while. And then if you scroll on to the next ones, you get to see like. Oh, he's showing Grogu how it works and Grogu standing on the workshop table and they're having a little fun time together. And then the next shot is just like a close up on Grogu's face as his dad is building him this toy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just such a magical series it's, it's of fantastic. shots that 
Just Nick, is this is this stuff. something you would have done with your father? Did, did your dad like mix you up and stuff he liked to do, like working on car? I don't he, know if your dad liked working on cars, but so it, that was my. It was funny because that was my dad's job at the time. Is he was a mechanic, he was a car mechanic, okay. so that wasn't something that was really different fun. But yeah, I mean, like we would do projects around the house, like whenever we would do so. You know, they were painting the garage. We would do it together if we were. You know, like when one of the big things that we did. With, with a lot of the family was when we had our lake house out in Louisiana, like we, we built the lake house, the interior of the oh, lake okay. house. We so did yeah, it all you, together as a family. So. You were like a normal, you had a normal father son deal. Like I, I, I don't, I didn't do any of this shit. Like my, my dad worked in the restaurant business, traveled. So he was never home on the weekends when he was home. He was like, fuck you guys. I just worked all week. I'm going to do what I want to do. So he would just yeah, work I'm, outside and, and drink. So I, I never, I never really bonded over stuff like this. But even in our chat here, we got B's mobile auto detailing Bay County reminds me of my dad and I building remote controlled cars. And I, I imagine a lot yeah, of, man. a lot of people that saw this shot and I don't want to say just men, you never know what, what the ladies got into either when they were young, but I, I imagine that brought back some memories. Cause that, that, that's what this is. It's Din and his little boy Grogu hanging out having some fun building a remote controlled N1 starfighter. Yeah, absolutely. So good stuff there at CGE rock on Instagram. Make sure to give them a follow. Um, next up in the final shot of the top five this week, this is from at Phoenix underscore toy photography. And we got a shot of uh, general Kenobi battlefield. General Kenobi's flanked by some phase one clone troopers uh, standing on a battlefield victoriously, one of them uh, propping their leg up on the <laughs> expired corpse of a B-1 battle droid. Yep. Uh, I mean, really what made this shot to me was was not only the posing, the posing is fantastic, but the weathering that yeah, uh, Phoenix yeah, I, I, did I, I, on, I, these, I just on like these figures. The tone in general, it's kind of got like an, a warmer tone to it. Uh, the mm-hmm. figures, as yep. Nick said, are, are weathered expertly. Fordo looking good there. The red guy, the red clone from um, Gennady's Clone Wars. I don't know. It just it's it, it's like a it's it's a hero shot. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, it's truly yeah. like they're they're heroes. They know they're heroes and they're posing for their moment. And I think if anything, Nick, it's just reiterated to me that I I think I prefer the Phase One clone bucket over yeah. them all. It's just I love. I that think shit. that's the best one with the, the fin the man fin, and those the, like little. Yeah more Mandalorian-esque like eye slits and, and, and mouth thingy. I love that. I love it. It, it really, they really, they were honoring their donor there and then they shifted towards the Stormtrooper helmet. So George made sure that we saw like, oh, uh, uh, cl- clones are like the Stormtroopers and the prequels, right? Yes. Thanks, George. Yes. All right. Good stuff it, there George. from at Phoenix underscore skrr. Toy photography. I, I'm tripping over my tongue lately. It's like, I, I, is that a sign of, of hey. like Parkinson's or dementia where, where you almost start slurring when you know, never used you, to slur? I, that just happens to me when I get dry mouth. too. Like <laughs> if I'm talking a lot, I just get dry mouth. And if I don't hydrate enough, I'll just yeah. start to stumble. Blah, 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 blah. Um, is, is your but anyway, HT, I, I have no hot toys currently shipping bat. I, I have plenty <laughs> in pre-order, but none have said they're coming my way. I don't know which one you may be referencing, but lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Matt's stumbling over his words. We're right. getting to the point it's where time. the sun is starting to wash my face out. It's time. It's the end of the top five. It's the end of the show. So, Matt, close us on out. 
That's right. We got to get out of here because we, we still have some official SWTS business to get to. So if Sir Dork business. and 1-6 Shooter, if you're still alive and, and awake after this meandering discussion about random shit, it's <laughs> about that time for the meeting. Okay? It's about that time. Uh, no, bad. I did not get Shiny Clone. I missed out on that one. I'm all right. Don't, don't get me FOMOing out, my friend. Just let's let it lie. It's okay. I didn't need it, right? I didn't need it. I didn't need it. Right? Right? Right. Okay. All right. But yeah, we still got some work to do. So uh, Star Wars D&Ders, if you're still listening, get your Skypes ready and we will be calling you into a, a session. Appreciate you. One six shooter. We see he is ready to rock. Uh, but it is, as Nick said, it is time to go. We went way too long. We had tech issues, uh, failed promises to young Nick. So I got to get my ass out of here. But we love you. Keep coming back. We see the numbers keep going up and up and up. Let's keep that trend running. I don't know if it's us, if it's the fact that we're in season Star Wars, who the hell knows. But if you've helped, if you're driving views and downloads and listens, we speak your name. May the force be with you. All right. There's always time for Star Wars time. Don't forget it. StarWarsTime.net on the internet. That's our home. Best place to find links to do stuff. Get on those podcasts. Even if you do the live stream, still sub to a podcast. Leave us some ratings and review because it helps us more than you will ever know. There's always time for Star Wars time, my friends. And remember, if you do listen to the Star Wars time show, the force will be with you. Always.